This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up? My Take Radio, episode 79 for Thursday, February 17th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Kai. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347 324 Three five four one. All right, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. A um, couple of things. This this evening I will be joined by actually two guests. I'll be joined by Gary Friedman from MMA Gospel. You can listen to them on Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel, or you can hit up their website, mmagospel.com. Also, I'll be joined by Ninferno from Dual Shockers. He will be talking about... Uh, the Dual Shockers website and also an event that they will be doing, which is Video Game Day, this coming Saturday here in New York City in Queens. And he's going to give us a little bit of information about that. Um, it's all it's going to be for a good cause. Uh, they're collecting money for inner city youth, and they're going to have some game tournaments, some giveaways, a whole bunch of stuff. So he will be stopping by to discuss that. In addition to that, we also have all your typical movie news. Lots of stuff happened this week. I want to talk about the uh, the Batman casting. Um, also want to talk a little bit about the new Thor preview. Also, can't leave out, and I totally forgot it last week since my sinuses nearly wrecked the whole show. Um, definitely want to discuss the X-Men first class trailer. I didn't get a chance to go into that this week, uh, this past week. So we're going to go into that. Um, a couple of things, of course. The forums will be seeing some new additions this week. I will be updating the software probably to 2.0 Release Candidate 4 um, with the Simple Machines forum, so you guys may experience some downtime at some points during the weekend. If the update goes according to plan, it should be seamless. We shall see how that turns out. Um, for those of you that have been by MyTakeRadio.com recently, you will see that there's been a couple of uh, cosmetic changes to it. Everything is coming along nicely now. Um, a couple of things are going to start taking shape. You're going to start seeing a couple of ads. I will be uh, putting together a package for anyone that wants to purchase ad space. So definitely, if you're interested in purchasing ad space, give, uh, drop me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and we can definitely work something out in regards to that. Those of you that are content partners will, of course, have your ads up there. It will be a combination of probably 120 by 600 and 125 by 125 ads. So those of you that have ads already, they will be up momentarily. Just wanted to get all the cosmetic stuff out of the way, so keep an eye out for that. Of course, there's tons of new posts on mytakeradio.com. One post in particular, I gotta, I gotta gloat a little bit. Was an article I, I wrote regarding Fedor and his loss at the Strike Force event that I'll be discussing with Gary. And that article was also published on MMAValor.com. 
and was selected as the article of the day from USA Today, which actually oversees MMAValor.com to a degree. So I'm very honored to see uh, a piece that I wrote actually get picked up by USA Today. So if you get a chance, stop by our Facebook fan page, and there's a link there. You can check it out. For those of you that um, you know don't really follow MMA, just take a moment and read it and share your thoughts. Definitely also check out some of the other content on MMA Valor and share your thoughts on some of the content that we got there as well. Um, of course, This Week in Wrestling and MMA Valor are our content partners. If you're interested in doing an article exchange and feel that your content would mesh well with the audience, definitely drop me an email also in regards to that. Our app is also doing very well. The Android app is coming along. I'm hoping to have the Android app launched probably by next month. There's a couple of little things I've got to iron out beforehand. Of course, you can also get our, our iTunes app. You can get that at the iTunes store. It's $1.99. Uh, head over there and look for My Take Radio, and you can download that, as well as also download archived episodes of MTR. There's also exclusive content that will be on the app. Uh, right now we're doing the Minority Film Report. Slick has been doing a really good job keeping, keeping hope alive, so to speak, in regards to the Minority Film Reports. Um, he's been doing a great job with some of the movies he has there. There's some episodes that he did recently that also will be uploaded to the app, so keep an eye out for that. Lastly, of course, we got the MTR T-shirts. Head over to mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com, uh, and you can pick up some shirts there. And they're, they're nice, and they're, they're comfortable. I actually got one. It's not bad. Competitively priced. I'm not trying to beat people over the head. If you want to support the show, Pick up a shirt or a sweatshirt or a baseball tee, or if you're a girl, we got some girls' tees as well. And um, that's pretty much it. Regarding tonight's topics, of course, we're going to discuss the Strike Force Grand Prix. I want to talk about Monday Night Raw because, of course, uh, a lot happened on Raw this week. One particular thing, of course, was the return of The Rock. So I will definitely be discussing that in great detail. We got January's MPD numbers. We also got a ton of movie news. And like I said, I will be joined by Gary, and I will probably be joined by um, Inferno from Dual Shockers probably around 11.30 or so. Um, I'm assuming Gary should be in probably within the next five or ten minutes. Before he gets in, though, I definitely want to um, just toss out the, the bumper for the MMA segment this week. I actually had to change it because the Ultimate Fighter theme was getting a little old, and I felt that it was time to definitely freshen it up. So... Without further ado, let's talk some MMA. You know what? Of course, like everything else that happens with Strike Force once in a while, even their intro music sounded incredibly terrible. So I will need to recut that and use it for the bumper next week. So a little bit of technical difficulties. Thanks a lot, Blog Talk Radio, and thanks a lot, Strike Force, for having an intro that has positively no energy to it whatsoever. With that, I see that Gary is on the line, so let's bring Gary in. Gary, what's going on, dude? Hey, how's it going, Rich? Great to be on again. Hey, man, thanks for coming in on such short notice. Um, the Strike Force intro, of course, did not help the segment go over well, but 
let's get right into it, shall we? Of course, you had the privilege of covering the event as a member of the press for MMA Gospel. Um, before we talk about the fights, just uh, give give people a little bit of background about MMA Gospel, the show, and of course, a little bit about the event as well. Sure, sure. Um, we uh, you know, we do also uh, a weekly uh, podcast that uh, is on every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, uh, so uh, also on Block Talk Radio. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we uh, we really focus, as a, you know, as sort of the name indicates, um, on mixed martial arts. Uh, trying to bring in some other elements, but really, really it's mixed martial arts podcast. Uh, we're also associated with the website, which I'm really proud of, MMAGospel.com. Um, so it was sort of a one-two punch, and um, you know, again, we uh, a typical show for us uh, would be really interviewing the fighter, uh, a journalist, or somebody else in the sport. Uh, like a, a, a week or so ago, we had on, which is a really good show, uh, Jacob Stitch Duran. Uh, That's and right. Just uh, yeah, you know, a lot of fun, especially. Uh, you know, I always do plugs and. And and by the way, heads up if you'd like to have a lot of good ask about you. <laughs> so I can give you his contact information. Oh nice, uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely, because I know you had asked that one question, so he had actually uh, followed up and asked. So uh and then uh, the other night uh last night we had a really good show uh, on on the strike force and we had a, a nice all star panel last night, uh talking about it as well as um really interesting anyway, big John Hawk. Uh, and so it's a lot of fun. Like you you know, I, I know you at the, I know a recent show, um, somebody asked you why you do it, and, you know, you really enjoy it. And that's the same thing with me. You know, we don't make really, you know, really money or anything like this. We just do it because we enjoy it. So that, uh, you know, anyone, uh, like I said, it's just, we, we get a lot of pleasure out of uh, if people listen to the show and enjoy it. Um, hey, no harm in that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, on the Strike Force card, which, uh, you know, again, kudos to Dan at MMAGospel.com. Uh, I was really surprised to put in four uh, credentials for myself, and uh, I was able to get them. So I, I live only around a half an hour or so from the Azad Center in New Jersey, and uh, got the credentials and was able to uh, head over uh, to uh, to watch Strike Force. Well, when you got there, how was how was the, the the environment, the ambience of the event, especially you know with with the pomp and circumstance of this Grand Prix tournament? I'll tell you what, I was really impressed by that. Um, I noticed, and I had not to plug myself, of course, because uh, I would never do that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'd written in a, an article actually that had gone on uh, mmbgospel.com, you know, on on the experience as well as some, uh, you know. Interesting stuff that happened with me in the parking lot to begin with. Uh-oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the parking attendants weren't too happy as I drove past, uh, you know, past a few when I should have stopped. And I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone saw the movie Midnight Express, but I kind of felt like Billy Hayes uh, in the beginning when uh, the Turkish police all surrounded him. Jesus. So again, yeah, long, long, uh, long ago movie reference there. Uh, I'm sure somebody, a few people were in the movie. Great movie, by the way. But uh, what really surprised me was, you know, the main card didn't start till ten o'clock, 
but the undercard began at 7.30. And, you know, yeah, and it it was a, uh, you know, fairly nondescript undercard. Uh, You know, other than the final bout on the undercard when Mark Stevens from the Ultimate Fighter fame, you know, was fighting. Um, So, you know, not really a huge, huge undercard, but let me tell you, when the first fight started, the arena was like more than half full, and then as the fights, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, after the first fight, the second fight, I mean, the arena was just packed. Already. Yeah, I saw that. So, I saw that yeah. by the time they got to John Cholish, I was like, holy shit, it's full now. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So the atmosphere was extremely, extremely excited. Um, you know, people, you could, you could tell, I mean, first off, there was uh, just a huge amount of Fedor fans there. A lot of, a lot of um, Russian people were there. Uh, yeah, they all came over from Brooklyn. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, there's a lot of Russian uh, people even, like, were, you know, in northern Jersey, a huge Russian population. Um, so it reminded me, you know, I, I had gone to uh, a couple fights um, with Thomas Adamic, who was the uh, former light heavyweight champion and now a top boxing, uh, you know, heavyweight contender, going to fight over Klitschko soon. Uh, he's Polish, and New Jersey has a huge Polish contingent, and, he fights all the time in Newark. And, you know, just the crowds there are, it's incredible, uh, especially just the Polish community. But over there, they come out of most of the time, and the faces are painted with the Polish uh, flag colors and such. So not to that extent with the fans, you know, sort of uh, kind of over the top, but in a good way, I mean over the top. But it still sort of reminded me of that, uh, that type of, um, uh, you know, I guess, Partisanship. So the atmosphere, to answer your question, is just phenomenal. How did you feel with um, with the way the the event was paced? I know you said that you know they started at, at seven thirty. I want to pluck a couple of fights um, just because I, I want to ask you. Um, first one, of course, being uh, Valentine Overeem and Ray Seffo. Um, I really expected that fight to not be as exciting, even though it was one round. It really showed a lot of potential. Uh, from Alistair's older brother, and actually did a great job of introducing him to the American audience. How was that for um, an opening fight on that card when you got to see it? Yeah, I have to tell you, it was overall too. By the way, I'll say this: Strike Force, just like all the last two, three, four cards, there hasn't been like a bad fight on any of the cards. Nope. There's been so many knockouts. It's almost like the, the older days of, like, the UFC, where, you know, it's just not stopping, and, 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 you know, body bumps. I mean, I was a cliche. So that fight, you know, definitely held to the pattern. Um, obviously, I, I, I would have liked to stay on the feet longer uh, because, you know, it was pretty, you know, pretty well known that if uh, O'Brien was able to get uh, Seppel on the ground, the fight was going to be over. Uh, that was a neck crank and uh, interesting, definitely an interesting um, submission. But honestly, I was a bit disappointed in that fight because I was hoping that Seppo would be able to throw some more punches and avoid being taken down. Uh, as far as Overeem, um, you know, it was, it was a good victory, but I think you can't look too much into it because, again, 
he'd be the guy in his like late thirties who's you know a legend in K1, but not really much in mixed martial arts. As well as you know, Wolverine's got like twenty five losses, so you know he's definitely a guy who uh, you know when he when he sort of tries to step up to the next level, really doesn't do well. So you know, good fight, and uh, you know introduced Wolverine to the audience, but uh, you know I. I don't put him as a huge prospect. I really don't. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's funny because, and, and like I said, I'm going to pluck certain fights out because I'm, you know, I'm trying. I'm going to cram a lot of stuff in there. I wanted, I wanted to talk to you first and foremost. I, were you as sad as I was to see Lavar Johnson lose to to Shane Del Rosario? You know, I was really pulling for Lavar, especially you know after all the setbacks he had, and I was hoping he would he would make an impact. Del Rosario looked good though. Um, I, were, were you as bummed as I was to see him lose? Uh, you know what? I have to say no. <laughs> and I'll really? tell you, it, it's yeah, it's not because I don't like you know Lavar. I, I I do, and I'll say this: of all the fights for the entire night, the one guy who lost, who you know I think you know is still, you know, didn't really hurt himself, and you know, frankly is somebody who, after the fight, everybody really wants to watch fight again, is LeVar Johnson. So, you know, by no means is this a, uh, you know, obviously a career ender, but even like a big downer in his career, he's still a good, really good prospect. I think for me, the reason I say no is because coming into the fight, I consider Shane Del Rosario to be uh, one of the best heavyweight prospects in any organization. So I was really interested how he would do against Lamar, and um, he even exceeded my expectations, uh, especially in the stand-up. When they were doing yeah, the stand-up, stand-up was uh, solid. it really was, and I, I absolutely expected Lavar to take advantage of that. And Shane, like say, he really, really did a solid job, like you said. And uh, you know, then when he got him down, um, you know, the submission was something that was not given. You know, just not not something that was just an easy submission to sink in. You know, it required some timing. And uh, again, you know, Shane sort of combining the, the definitely improved stand up uh, along with the ability to uh, you know sink in the submission just exceeded my expectations. And again, I had very high expectations for him. So uh, again, the reason I say no is um, you know, Lamar's got a great story, but uh, you know. I, I just love the fact that there's a really great strike force heavyweight prospect. And, uh, you know, to me, Shane Del Rosario just became an elite prospect after this fight. So uh, that's what I'm even more excited about, just having an elite prospect like Shane. But Lamar absolutely will be back. Oh, definitely. Of course, um, the uh, first of the quarterfinal heavyweight Grand Prix matches Andre Arlovsky and Sergey Karatanov. Um, you know, when I was on the show with you guys, we were talking about that at length, and um, mm-hmm. you know, we a lot of people felt that if Arlovsky won, you know, it would be a chance at redemption. But him losing, especially the way he did lose, mm-hmm. it puts his career in question. How how did I know that the the, the crowd was really behind Arlovsky based on you know just yeah. the, just the way that the, the TV played it out? But how was the atmosphere with that fight and the way it ended? Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, when they did the original lineup of the fighters to begin uh, the evening as far as the fighters for the tournament, um, 
obviously Fedor by far got the the most applause. Yep. But then Arlovsky by far got the second most applause. So he, you know, wasn't even just you know it wasn't even just them having to even play up the fact he he was really really popular. He really was. People people in the crowd couldn't wait to see him. And um, you know, as far as you know, the fight, it's uh, you know, we like you mentioned we on on uh, our show we had talked about it and you know what's interesting is, you know, we had uh, you know, yourself, the you know, guys who uh, you know, others uh, you know, were into MMA and know about Sergey. So it really wasn't a surprise that Sergey won because again, he's he's a really good fighter. I mean he's you know, he's not just simply an opponent they've won in for Andre to beat. Uh, but he's a guy who, frankly, should have been favored in this fight. Uh, I'll tell you what I thought found really interesting, and, uh, again, I guess it sounds like I'm plugging my article, but uh, I was real, very happy that Mallory, uh, once was on MMAgospel.com, was able to sort of spruce up the picture, one of the pictures I took from Wingside, um, because I think it, it, it really captured what happened in this fight, which uh, was after Andre got knocked unconscious, uh, they ended up shutting the cage door and not letting anyone into the cage except the doctors in order to, you know, not wow. let, you know, just sort of be, yeah, havoc in the ring. So for around five to ten minutes, you had Greg Jackson waiting by the cage door, and he only kept doing was shaking his head in frustration, which I got a really good picture of it, too. It's on the article. Uh, the yeah, Yoda, Yoda was upset. He he was, and you know what? He was. It was obvious that what he was like shaking his head for was he must have developed, you know, because he's known for coming up with these really good game plans. He yep. must have come up with a game plan, and I probably did not call for Andre to go out and basically slug, you know, with or Sergey, who's a who's a massive puncher. You know, my guess but, is that he wanted Andre to kind of use the jab more. Well, you know what uh, happened. I think mm-hmm. I think that definitely what fucked him up was the fact that he kept backing up into the cage. He was not giving himself any distance, especially when you're as good of a striker, especially from from uh-huh. a boxing standpoint like Arlovski. It's point. like you're putting your back up against the cage, and not only that, but the way he was circling, there was no escape for him. So I can imagine Greg Jackson's like, make some distance, make some distance, and, you know, Karatanov closed the distance, and... When there's no way for you to escape, the, the the whole force of punches to your head are there's there's no bobbing and weaving your way out of a corner. Exactly, that's a great, excellent point. Excellent point, uh, and, and you're you're right, and and that's where again where a good jab will always establish a distance. Um, you know, I mean, just uh, you know, I look at GSP against Josh Koscheck, where you know uh, the jab Koscheck couldn't even come close to getting to him because of the jab. So you're right. That I'm sure that's what it was. And you know, Andre started out pretty good in this fight. Yes, he did. So he, probably, was, he was great. Man. Yeah, yeah, and and that probably ultimately was uh, the worst thing that could have happened for him, actually, because he, you know, literally and figuratively dropped his guard, <laughs> yep. as they say. Um, and and a massive uppercut was was something. And a guy like Andre should never get hit with an uppercut like he got hit. And then he he pretty much was he pretty much was was planked out uh, on on the cage floor, you know, because when he hit him that that follow up mm-hmm. time on the ground and he stiffened up like a boy like up, he's done. 
You know, and, and it's bad because, you know, you're talking about a guy who's, who's had his brain rattled four times already. It's like it really has to put his, his career in question. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't give a fuck that Greg Jackson is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, well, we're going to reevaluate it. The mm-hmm. guy's been knocked out four times. It, it, it's like Chuck Liddell even knew. It's like, look, it, it's that time. There's no shame in his game. If he, if he, if he came out, he would have been like, look, man, I can't. I can't. I, I've lost a step. I don't want to write him off because you know I sh- I'm you know I'm not one to write off people's careers, but you've got your brain rattled four times. You want to be able to you want to be able to wipe your ass correctly for the next few years, mm-hmm. you know. No, it's it's true, but I can tell you, uh, there's a few things that really go in his favor. One is which people probably a lot of people probably don't realize is Andre is only 31 years old. Yep. So he's a yeah he's a young guy. I mean he's really that's the age heavyweights are. You know, to a certain extent, entering their prime, or or at least you know, midway into their prime. Um, so he is a young guy. Second, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. The way he suffered his knockouts. I mean, he's a guy who, when he gets knocked out, he really gets knocked out. Um, so that's definitely not good. But I'll say this. You know, as far as obviously I, I love boxing, and that's my you know that was the sport that really was was my sport for uh, you know twenty plus years, longer even. Um, and the taking the balls in boxing, you'll take hundreds. You know, you can take hundreds in a fight. Also, right. the way the gloves are, um, you know, the really concussive type blows. So the amount of damage and and so long term effects. You know, are, are brutal, frankly, absolutely brutal. So, with MMA, and even with what Andre's taken, you know, yeah, he's been knocked out, but he hasn't taken, you know, a, a ton of shots. So, this is true, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say that um, the long-term damage isn't, I think, going to be really as as you know prevalent or, or really as much of a danger as, you know, some higher boxes is a knockout in the work times. As you said, the the sort of has he lost a step or, you know, did he just simply like has he gotten, you know, sort of lazy in some of these fights and, you know, that's what led to the knockout and, and most importantly, psychologically, can he come back from this? Well, so, what I, I was going to say, but, uh-huh. what I was going to say in regards to your, uh, before we get into the fate or fight, what I was going to say in regards to that is, um, you know, in boxing definitely you have, you know, 12-ounce and 16-ounce gloves to to be able to dish out punishment. But I feel that the the possibility of injury is, is magnified, at least in my eyes, because you only have a 4-ounce glove separating bone from face. You know what I mean? Like boxing, there's a there's a little bit more absorption in the gloves. That's not to to, to take away mm-hmm. from the fact that boxing gloves uh, aren't you know aren't able to, to deliver damage. But think about you know it's almost like throwing throwing a, a a rock at a tarp and throwing a rock through a paper a sheet of paper mache. It's the same thing. You know, the tarp if you throw it with enough force, it'll probably break through. But you know, through a sheet of paper, that rock is going through clean. And I feel that with four ounce gloves, the the possibility of damage is, is is magnified just because there's not a buffer for that punching power. It's just clean. You know, it's like what everybody said with James Tony. James Tony 
talked a lot of shit, and he got his ass beat by Randy Couture. But if James Tony would have connected with a four-ounce glove punch, you know, it, it, it's lights out any way you slice it. And, and, and probably, you know, not in the long term, but definitely if you continue to take shots like that, you know, against the same guy, you can suffer damage probably a little bit more quicker. Well, you know, I, I and that's, I mean, that those those are definitely um, uh, good points. But I have to tell you, this I think there's really an ironic nature to, you know, the actual danger. Uh, and we say not not danger of being knocked out, but danger of suffering. You know, frankly, you know, long-term brain injury with regards to the size of the gloves. Um, I can tell you that I have in my you know years, decades of watching boxing. Have never seen a fighter seriously injured who has been knocked out right away, who has sort of had a one-punch brutal knockout, um, it, you know, essentially just uh, uh, pulverized. Now, there is, uh, you know, as an example, and it's, you know, it's a very tragic fight. It's been, unfortunately, a lot of these tragedies in boxing. You know, Albert Davila, who was a bantamweight, uh, really, uh, you know, beloved uh, long-term time contender for, uh, and this was back in the 80s, Kiko Behenis for the uh, Bantamweight title, Albert, Albert Davila could not, literally could not break, uh, punch his way out of a paper bag. That's literally, that's not even a thing. <laughs> so he, but he peppered, just peppered Behenis with punches for 12 rounds, essentially, and, uh, or, or more, and Ultimately, Behenis then, you know, just sort of collapsed under the amount of very soft punches. Um, unfortunately, it was horrible. You know, ended up having a brain hemorrhage and dying. And that's, again, because in boxing, it's not, just, it's not really the how hard the punch is that causes the, you know, in essence, damage or the brain to bleed. It's, it's really just the concussive nature of, of really multiple blows. So okay. in MMA, you're not really going to have, because of these four-ounce gloves, you're not going to have multiple, and when I say multiple, I don't mean four or five, I mean two to three hundred. Right, no. Landing. I, I gotcha. Yeah, so for overall long-term damage, it's much more dangerous to have a feather-fisted guy hit you 200 times than to have some guy hit you two or three times in the draw with smaller gloves and not going conscious. You know, it's bad for the, you know, just the, the immediate fight. You're going to be knocked out right away. But as far as the long-term damage, very, very uh, rarely are you going to see any type of long-term damage with it. Nice. Well, shit, you, you just educated me. And, you know, it, it, that's a perfect segue into this, uh, this Fedor fight, um, strictly because, you know, since, you, since you're – um, a boxing aficionado, you can even appreciate this. Um, of course, Fedor lost uh, due to doctor stoppage in the second round. Um, a couple of things, of course, and this was Antonio Silva's coming out party, but while everybody's extolling the virtues of Antonio Silva, and of course the Internet went on fire um, regarding Fedor's loss and, and the, you know, the, the back and forth, which was I had to actually just remove a lot of people from my Twitter feed just because it got to the point where I'm like, all right, I got it. You know, you guys are upset, and I understand that. What I wanted to ask you, um, mm -hmm. what, there was a huge, of course, uh, 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 the, the majority of the crowd was behind Fedor, 
when yes. Fedor lost, when when you know it was declared that the that the fight was over, how silent was that arena? You know, I, I got to tell you, um, here you go, Mr. Gary with his stump boxing uh, references constantly. Uh, everyone knows who Marvin Hagler is. Of course, you know marvelous Marvin Hagler. Um, his first attempt at a uh, you know, at a, uh, or, or not his first attempt, but uh, his second attempt. He got robbed, uh, you know, his first attempt for a, uh, to win the middleweight title against the Deutsche Parma. Second attempt, he went to England and fed Allen an interim. Um, uh, and Allen was the, uh, well, uh, excuse me, the middleweight champion. Um, and Allen got caught over the eye. And uh, ultimately, you know, Marvin was brutalizing him. And the fight had to be stopped. And a minute, like, around a minute after the fight stopped and the crowd realized that it was stopped, all of a sudden, the, just the, the bottles and everything else just started oh, raining down on the ring. Yeah, if you ever want to see it, go on YouTube and watch, you know, uh, Marvin Hagler, Alan Minter, and you'll see. So what happened was Marvin, essentially his trainers and everyone, had to be rushed out of the ring, and it was just literally a shower of debris coming down. Jesus. So he never got he never got a chance to actually celebrate his his uh, winning, finally winning a world title in the ring. He just was rushed out of the ring. You know, people, one of his trainers was hit in the head with a bottle and, and such. So the reason I bring that up is when the crowd realized, at first we didn't know what was going on, but when the crowd realized that the fight was stopped, all of a sudden, I saw like four or five um, beers being heaved oh, into like the um, yeah, being heaved into uh, the cage, and I'm like, I had a flashback to the Hagler fight, like, uh oh. So there was anger at first. At first, there was anger that the fight was stopped because you know, again, at the end, even though you know, uh, Silver sort of did a little bit of mocking, like he's not hurt. You know, Fader came at the end and, and was going for, like, the, uh, you know, leg lock. That's so, right. Like, he was coming back in. So we were, like, really looking forward to the third round. Because it was obvious after the beating, Fader had something left. Um, so it was it was more anger at first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, then it was sadness, really. Then just sadness. Well, and, and you know, I'm, b before, you know, we, we break down there. We break down the fight, and I know, I know, um, you know, we're trying. We're, I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to do like you and keep everything nice and nice and neat and orderly. Um, the a couple of things. Of course, everybody said, you know, this was Silva's coming out party. Blah 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 blah. This and the third. One thing that bothers me is that a lot of people automatically wrote off Fedor, and it's like, look, it was a doctor stoppage. It wasn't like he got it KO'd or submitted. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I respect. I respect and, and, and I admire what Antonio Bigfoot Silva did, and I give Fedor the utmost respect for taking that ass whooping like a champion. Yep. But, yep. but you know, for Antonio Silva, if I was him, I'd be glad I won. But in the back of my mind, it's like, could I have beaten him had we gone a third round? Because you know what it is? You're, it's like Papa Smurf fighting Godzilla. You know, you're fighting this giant dude. It's obvious that the odds for you getting beaten are, are definitely bigger, but you know when I was on the show with you guys, I said Fedor's fucking walking through this guy. Yes, yes. And, and you know, it, it, you know, it, it, Fedor, and, you know, I see Dan mentioned in the chat that, you know, Fedor got dominated. 
And he did, you know, he did get dominated, but there was a lot of factors that I definitely look at as, as that. Because, you know, you had a, a huge guy, and, and Silva's no slouch. He's definitely not a tomato can. But my, my big concern is always, you know, and, and if, I were, if I were Silva, I'd say it. I'm like, I'm like, had we gone a third, how would it have gone, you know? Because, yeah, he, he, Fedor was getting beaten. But like you said, that leg lock showed. You know how Fedor is. He takes a beating and he comes back. Exactly. I was. That's why I was so disappointed. Because I have to be honest. Um, I really, if it went in the third round, I really thought Fader had a shot at it. Um, one thing also is how many punches did Silva throw in that second round? You know, he, even though I gotta say he looked in amazing shape for what he for a heavyweight, amazing shape. Um, he threw so much punches at Fedor. He also tried so many submissions that he had to have been a bit gassed out. Um, right. Yeah, so I was devastated also about that because I really thought the third round could have made this just an utter classic, this fight. Um, oh. You know, I mean, Silva, to his credit, may have just come out of the third round and, and ended it also. And ended that's, that's it, yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, before before we wrap it up, of course, Fedor mentioned about possibly retiring, not retiring. Yeah. You know, the the web was fucking. Oh my god, oh god, Fedor, no! And I'm like, all right, get get the shit together. And of course, you know, Dana White had to throw out his little comments, which led to to the article I wrote. And you know, for for me to go into that, that'll eat up the whole show. But looking at Fedor's loss and the possibility that Scott Coker made sure to say that he could be an alternate. What do you think would be the best course of action now for Fedor for his career? You know, just just in your opinion. I, I'll tell you what, um, and this is you know we mentioned again, um, you know, on this on the show. I, I've got to get credit credit to my my co-host Go Bag of Ice for this, um, and I completely agree. The reason that Fedor is having these issues to begin with, you know, he's still a pretty young guy too. You know, in early thirties. Uh, which, again, we got to keep in mind, he's not like, you know, Randy Couture or, or even Chuck Liddell, um, age-wise. The reason he's having these issues is because of inactivity. You know, you look at how many fights he's had in the last five years, you know, uh, compared to what he had in the, the previous five years, and you'll see a guy who had, you know, fought very, very regularly. But, again, once you get bigger, you get paid more, you you, uh, you know you fight much much less often, and that's what happened with Fedor. So as far as moving forward, I think I, you know I frankly think the guy's uh, still an amazing fighter. Who if he fought regularly and got back into the rhythm that he normally got, you know he normally would be in, is still a killer. You know I mean a, a, a great fighter. So. I would love, honestly, love to see him keep fighting. I mean, then he lost his fight. Okay, he got a guy who was fifty pounds more heavier than him got on top of yep. him, and uh, you know, it, whatever happened, happened. And, and Silva's a good fighter. I mean, he's a much better fighter than people gave him credit for being. But uh, as far as Fedor, if he, if he actually truly fights again and doesn't sort of like fight like a, a celebrity or like you know, like Gina Carano. Right here, like yeah. who the hell knows what she's doing? Or who really cares now? But you know, when she fights, makes it you know, make it an event, so she never really grows into the fighter she could be by actually fighting regularly. You know, sort of a fader. 
not comparing him to Harry, beyond, you know, because I can't even say the same sentence. But, you know, I love what Coker did or said because I'd love to see him get back into the tournament. But more importantly, you know, hopefully the eye heals quickly uh, and to see him fight regularly more often and not like once or, you know, or sort of twice a year. Twice a year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because if he does that, then he'll never capture or get back to his uh, the sharpness that he, a fighter like him needs. So if he's either going to fight active or if he's going to, you know, and again, another guy I bring up is Mike Tyson. Um, you know, when he was fighting active, he was a killer. Yep. And when he, as when soon he as you got fight, comfortable. Yep. Exactly. And another guy, I know people don't really know him, but this is a perfect example to me of this sort of phenomenon where a fighter coming up is really, really good. And then once he becomes really popular and gets paid the big bucks, you know, he's obviously they're not going to pay him a million dollars to fight every three weeks. Is a well, boxer. Uh, I'm sure people remember him, Prince Nassim Hamed. Yep, I was uh, going to say it. I, well, I did say it. I said Prince Nassim. He was he was good for that. He was good for getting the paydays and then you know not fighting for a year. But you know, it, it, it's sad that you know his you know his management is definitely in some respects to blame. And I'm not going to get into that debate as well, yeah. but. You know, I really would like Fedor to continue fighting. I feel that he hasn't been tested. Um, he, he's, he's been tested, yes, in terms of, of the limits of his fighting ability, but I feel that he's only just scratching the surface in terms of his potential to be a legend. I think that he's still got at least, you know, 10 or 20 good fights in him against good uh, top talent. But the problem is that you can't, dance around your talent and that's one thing and and you know a lot of people said it on twitter and i and i referenced it as well it's like you can't teach toughness and fedor's mm-hmm. a tough motherfucker you know oh, anyway man, you slice it yep. he's a tough dude and you know while his loss was disheartening i think that he should go back and you know just reestablish himself train with a couple of different people get out there more often and i think like you said he'll be he'll be a he'll definitely be a legend yeah, no, like he, and frankly, I mean, you know, honestly, he really is a legend still. I mean, he, for what he's accomplished, um, right, you know, but really I mean, from, from championships at least, you know, in terms of championships, you know, to, to, to be a guy that'll go out there and win championships on the regular and not just, you know, once ever, every couple of years and not defend it. That, yeah, no, that's exactly. No, no, you're right. Ab- ab- absolutely. And, and that's the whole point. If he's just going to kind of do this and then eight months from now, he'll come back again for one fight. You know what? Don't even bother then. Exactly. You know? So you know, and that was a sad thing. The really the thing that really stinks is that you know, in this tournament, he would have been forced to fight again fairly recently. So you know, it, it would have. Yeah. So I understand. I mean, I you know, I feel bad for strike force in this. I know people can say whatever they want about you know uh, the effect and ah, uh, well, they should have you know this was a risk and blah blah blah. But the point is. You know, they put on a phenomenal Grand Prix. They got eight top heavyweights, you know, and, you know, part of their game plan was to go more mainstream. Fedor was the key to going, yeah, he was the key to going mainstream for them, you know, and, you know, I I say in my article, like, no good deed goes unpunished, you know, for them. That's really really what happened, you know, and uh, I feel for them. I mean, a loss to a lesser degree, but also big loss for them. Because, you know, as an MMA fan, we always want to see our sport grow. And, yep. you know, you don't want to see just the UFC, which, frankly, I think is getting boring a little bit now, too technical. And Strikeforce is getting a hell of a lot more. 
you know, not not technically skilled as the UFC, but still more exciting, frankly, with more knockouts. Um, and this was a great, you know, opportunity for them to, you know, close the gap a little. I mean, they're so far behind the UFC. When I say close the gap, it's all relative. But to close the gap a little bit, and you know what? It ends with Dana White basically mocking them, and it's just not right. So, No, I hear you. Well, we pretty much covered it. I, I appreciate you coming through and, and sharing your thoughts. Um, definitely, uh, I, I, I got to step aside and, and talk this with you, talk more about this with you. I know that we got a, a full plate on the show tonight, but, dude, I appreciate it. I appreciate oh. you coming through. Any Anytime, Rich. Love your show. I mean, frankly, I mean, I can see you're a friend also. I mean, frankly, so there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And uh, I appreciate love your that. Show. That means a lot. Yeah, and I love you. You got you honestly have the perfect show of uh, MMA, wrestling, movies, video games. It, it's the perfect show, actually. So I, I love that. it. Keep it up. Um, of course, give us the big plug before before I let you go. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, first off, by the way, if people want to contact me, I'm MMA underscore Gary underscore Gospel um, at uh, and that's on Twitter. So feel free to contact me there. Um, our show again is on every Wednesday at 8.30 on Block Talk Radio as well. Uh, also, you can download the archives. It's MMA Gospel Radio. Uh, we've got uh, really great stuff. Uh, excuse me. Um, show next week, Chris Lozano, one of our favorites, one of the best young fighters in the world. Yeah, exactly. He's got in Bellator. He's going to be on as well as another great prospect uh, who's got really some big stuff coming up, Chris uh, Davis. Uh, will be joining us. Uh, definitely check out our show that from the last few weeks too on uh, iTunes. You can get the archives or Blog Talk Radio. And uh, also a big plug for our website uh, with Dan from MMAGospel.com. I, I, the website just blown me away with how it's gotten uh, you know better and better. And that's MMAGospel.com. So again and again, thanks for uh, for having me on. I, I really love being on your show. So and thank you for appearing on my show too. By the way, it's always great having you. Oh, yeah, brother, I appreciate it. Well, we will definitely talk soon. Uh, go get yourself some rest and, uh, you know, just text me during the week. Will do. Will do. You take care and say hello to your, your lovely fiancé for me. You got it, brother. I will. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Take care and good night. All right, brother. Later. All right, that was Gary from MMA Gospel. You can follow Gary on Twitter. On Twitter. It's at MMA underscore gospel underscore Gary. On Twitter, you can look for him there. Uh, let him know uh, you ha- you've heard him on MTR. And again, you can listen to MMA Gospel every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. It's blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel. Um, to check out any of the work from Dan, uh, De Silva, Mallory, and the rest of the MMA Gospel family, head over to MMAGospel.com, and you can check out all the great work that they're doing there as well. Uh, with that, I know that I heard that Ninferno is holding from Dual Shockers. We are going to bring him in. Ninferno, you're on the air. All right. I'm on hey, the air. Wow. Yes, sir. Everything's good, man. How about yourself? Uh, hanging in there. You know, we just uh, wrapped up the MMA segment. I know I had told you to, to call around 11.30, 11.45. We ran a little late, but there was a, a huge fight this last Saturday, That's so right. we had to... We had to cover that, but um, of course you're here representing DualShockers.com. Yep, DualShockers.com, you know, um, 
to the gamers for the gamers, and we cover all your news that you need, reviews, previews. So, uh, www.dualshockers.com. I'm here. For there you go. Friend. All right. A um, couple of questions uh, for, for for those listeners that are familiar with Dual Shockers. Um, uh, give them a little bit of background about the around the site. Um, well, okay. So we're we're a blog site, and um, you know we try to be un, as unbiased as possible. You know, we try to, you know, it says Dual Shockers, and it sounds like we're a PS3 site, but, uh, you know, we cover everything from video games, you know, you got your iPhone stuff there, and, um, yeah, you, every system. So we do reviews, previews, and uh, a lot of editorials. And uh, also our podcast, we got three running right now. We have the Snobcast, uh, which is about, you know, retro gaming. We have our um, Dualcast, which is for RPGs, and we have uh, our main podcast, which is the Shotcast, and um, so, yeah, that's all you guys could uh, look forward to on our site, so definitely check it out. Uh, the, dual, the dual cast, the Shotcast, and the other cast you mentioned, are you, they can reach those on iTunes, right? Yes, sir. Yep. And um, they can get the information off the site. Yep, it's all on the right-hand side, so uh, very easy to navigate. Check out the site. <laughs> All right. Um, of course, uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on, you have the uh, video game, uh, the video game day coming up this Saturday here in New York City in Queens in Richmond Hill. Um, yeah. Get, let everybody know a little bit about the event. Um, you know how it came about. All right. So uh, you know, just a brief history. Um, about three years ago was the first time we did it, and you know, it was just a bunch of us, us guys in the church. Uh, it was about twelve or thirteen of us, and we just, you know. It came to me because, you know, there was a lot of arguing between who was better at uh, Madden and who was better at, you know, Call of Duty. So, you know, they were coming to us. You know, they came to me and asked, you know, let's, let's settle this right now. You know, they know I'm a gamer and they know I'm a big gamer. This was before I joined DualShockers. So, uh, but, you know, I was still gaming before that, of course. And uh, pretty much I set up this little tournament for them. And, you know, we played all day. We played a bunch of games, about 10 or so. We stayed there all Saturday. And uh, it was really cool. So we decided to, you know, expand that a little bit, and uh, the second time we did it, we uh, opened it up to our to other churches, and a lot of churches showed up. It was for, um, it was all we, all the money we raised, well, most of it, because we had to give a, a, a prize money to the to the winner, but um, we raised money for uh, uh, Speed the Light, which is a, a ministry in uh, in our church, uh, in our denomination, and. Um, yeah, so that we we have got about forty or fifty people to show up that day, and so this year, you know, now that I'm a dual shocker, you know, uh, we got the support of uh, the, the website, we got the support of uh, all these companies, Mad Cat, Astro, Sega, EA, and pretty much we also over the summer built a brand new gym, a brand new facility to fill up more people than our little conference room, little conference room that we had, and nice. we're expecting about. 300 or so people, and we could fit all that, and we're really excited. In two days, Saturday. That's awesome, man. I, you know, the, one of the one of the reasons why I had been reaching out to you to get to get you on is because you guys are are, are you know local, and you guys are doing a a great thing for the local presence and using utilizing gaming for a good cause, um, especially with a lot of the negative stigma associated with gaming. Um, you know, whether it's leading to violence, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all those wonderful things you hear about on the news. So it's very refreshing to hear you guys. Yeah, multiple is putting it lightly. Um, It's great to hear you guys out there 
um, on the grind doing great things for the gaming community. And, um, you know, I, t- I told you I'm going to be stopping through definitely uh, to cover the event for MTR also. Yeah, nice, man. Um, I look forward to seeing you there. And, yeah, we just, you know, we built that gym, you know, for the community. You know, uh, kids come in, they, they, you know, we get them off the streets and, you know, they come in and they play basketball, they hang out with us, you know, we give them, you know, something to look forward to during the week, and, you know, we, we help them out in their, with their lives, you know, just to give them, you know, hope when, you know, you got all these problems in the streets and you have, um, you know, all these negative influences, you know, from maybe uh, people from school or the neighborhood. So um, we just want, you know, to let them know that we're here for them. The gym is built for them, and, um, you know, the gym is really young right now, and, it's, you know, we've just built it. But we, we, we definitely want to just – we're looking forward to raising funds, you know, to do more basketball tournaments, maybe more video game tournaments, uh, after-school programs. You know, we just want to continue giving a, a good influence to, you know, the, the city of Richmond Hill and, you know, all of Queens if, if we can, hopefully. Well, uh, if, if people wanted to donate besides attending the event, do you guys have something set up where people can donate on site also? Um, not anything specifically, but sure, we should definitely look into that, right? We should, uh, have a little donation box going around. That would be yeah, great. You, yeah, you should even, you know, I was going to tell you, you guys should definitely set up maybe something on, on PayPal and have it that if people wanted to donate to a, to a good cause, it would really be cool, especially because you guys can really show the money at work with, uh, the donations and all the stuff you guys are doing, uh, for the church. So definitely you have my utmost respect for that. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try to look into that because, yeah, we could use all the help we can, really. So, But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, we're really looking forward to it. We're getting a lot of good feedback right now, and I'm really excited. And I'm sure you'll, you'll see us, and we'll hang out, and it'll be a good time, and everything for a good cause is just all around great. Yeah, I know that you guys are doing um, a couple of tournaments. Uh, I know you guys are having a Marvel vs. Capcom 3 tournament, uh, Halo, Reach, and also Call of Duty Black Ops, correct? Right, right, yep. Those are the three main tournaments, and we're probably going to have other games there too because, uh, you know, we got some uh, pretty good, pretty cool giveaways to uh, give to the, the people who attend. So, um, you know, look out for some random games, maybe some Connect stuff. Um, I'm definitely going to try to bring my Wii because, you know, they call me an inferno for a reason, right? So, <laughs> you you play a lot of the Nintendo stuff. I read your uh, Super Mario Sports Mix um, yeah. review, which I which I actually enjoyed, and I was I was already on the on the fence about getting it, but I read the review, and I actually really want to get it because I own most of the Mario sports titles as it is, and um, you know I had written a, a little piece for for MTR, and then I read your review, and I was like, wow, he 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 puts it out there. It, you know, just like somebody who really enjoyed the game for what it is. Of course, every Nintendo sports game is pretty much the same cookie-cutter formula, but it's the overall enjoyment that you you conveyed in your article that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, playing the game, you know, by yourself, you know, any Mario game is, is kind of a downer, but definitely when you have your friends around, it's a, it's, a, it's a much better experience. You know, you get competitive, you know, even though it's people, you know, see it and it's, cartoony or it's not bloody enough like the Call of Duty games, but uh, anyone who's played a Mario game knows how much fun they really are, especially with, you know, a good crowd of people around you, your friends or family, whatever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, um, it, that, that's one thing that the Mario games, especially with the Wii, I, I, I've always been, you know, I do clown the Wii and I do give the Wii a, a, a lot of shit, but 
in terms of when you have a communal atmosphere, it's always a fun system to break out when you have a, a large group of people at home, whether it's, you know, the Nintendo sports titles or things like that. You can't, you, you can't you know, dispute the fact that those titles in a community atmosphere are really, really successful. I mean, the Kinect is just starting to scratch the surface, as is the PlayStation Move, but the Wii did a great job with that. Right, yeah. So that you know, so definitely, I just want to have that you know that same feeling for Saturday because you know no one's gonna not want to play Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart or you know absolutely new games. They're, they're fan favorites, even though you know we don't see it that much on Twitter or or, or see your friends online because you know honestly the, the Wii Online is not that great. But uh, yeah, and <laughs> You go to anyone's house and uh, you pop in that Wii and everyone gets into it. So we definitely want to have that at the event. And, you know, just a bunch of other random stuff that's probably going to go on. We'll probably lower the hoop sometime during the day for um, maybe a, a, a three-point contest for some, um, for some uh, cool prizes. Um, so, you know, i just pretty excited about this Saturday and uh, all that I plan on doing. So we hey, plan man, on doing. I'm happy for you. I know that you also... Um you recently reviewed Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I know I'm not going to keep you too long. I know I'm keeping you on late as it is. But, um, oh, that's all right. I got no class tomorrow, so I'm oh, good. Oh, so we're good. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, we're you, 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 you did a, a review for Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I haven't got a chance to read it yet because, you know, show prep. But I, I wanted to ask you, overall, how to, uh, you know, what's your general consensus on the game? Uh, okay, so when I first started playing it, um, I didn't – I didn't like it too much. I, I, you know, I was already writing it off as, you know, not as good as the ones in the past who were living up to the hype. But um, as I played it more, it really, really grew, uh, grew on me. I, um, you know, I started understanding the game better. I started getting better at the game. So, um, you know, at first I didn't like it too much, but it, it, after a while, and this, this happened to a few other people that I know, um, the game really starts growing on you. And uh, I don't know, I'm enjoying it a lot right now. I gave the game a, uh, well, you know what? Go go read the review. But uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. You know, I don't like really giving number scores. But um, you know, I, I it's a good game. I, I suggest you know everyone you know should at least try it. It's uh it's really fun. It's really fun to look at. And um, I mean, it's not exactly the perfect game, but um, you know, it has the capability with uh DLC and downloadable content in the future. So um. I look forward to an even better game in the coming month. Nice, and I know you've been playing. You, you've been playing the Call of Duty you had mentioned. Um, are there any upcoming titles you're looking forward to that you may want to pick up? Oh, jeez. You know what? I'm not. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of games I want to try out. You know, Bulletstorm and and Brink and stuff like that. But um, uh, I, I think I'm really just looking forward to the 3DS right now because. Yeah. I'm really excited for that system. I'm really excited for those games. And to be honest, you know, the Xbox title lineup is not that good right now. The Wii doesn't really look like it has anything lined up. And the PS3 stuff's coming out in November or later this year. So right now, right now it's just March. And oh, okay, I forgot about this one. Uh, WWE All Stars, of course. Yeah, I actually want to play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a chance to play it um last month, and it was so much fun. So I. Definitely, definitely want to check that out, especially with all the superstars that are going to be in it. You got Guerrero and and Hogan's going to be in it now, so it it, it feels like it feels like what Legends of WrestleMania was supposed to be. 
Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Le- Legends of WrestleMania, I-, I actually noticed also in the way the moves were executed in some of the video footage that was up that it had shades of also WrestleMania, the arcade game. I don't know if you ever played that one where, um, you know, like, like The Undertaker would hit you with like a tombstone. Right, right, okay, right. I, I don't think I played that, but I, I've definitely seen it before. I don't know, all those old school wrestling games kind of mushed together because, I mean, I was so young, but I think I played like WWE, WWF Raw, um, Super WrestleMania, you know, for the NES and Super NES. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I believe I may have played that one, but I'm not exactly sure. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, so I, 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 think we, I think we've covered everything. Um, but, but before I let you rock and roll, uh, one last big plug, of course, DualShockers.com and Video Game Day this Saturday. Uh, give uh, any other information you want, any, any social networking sites you want to promote, anybody you want to shout out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I wanted to shout out, you know, DualShockers.com. You know, they've been such a huge support. You know, they've helped me out so much along the way, you know, not with just my career and, and the video gaming, like, journalism stuff, but, uh, you know, for this event, they've been helping out so much. Um, Outbreak, you know, the, the Outbreak Youth Ministry, um, the church for uh, letting me do this, for letting me, you know, do what I love and, you know, do it for, you know, a good cause at the same time. So definitely want to thank um, Pastor Danny and, and uh, the leaders at Outbreak Youth Ministry. Um, and, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter.com slash Ninferno. Uh, it's Inferno, like in uh, Dante's Inferno with an N in front of it. Uh, not hard to spell, and <laughs> yeah, DualShockers.com, www.DualShockers.com, uh, check out our site, check out our podcast, our reviews, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, brother, I appreciate you coming through. I will see you this Saturday at the event, and um, awesome. I look forward to covering it and uh, shaking your hand, man, for all the great stuff you do for gaming, and uh, you guys at DualShockers do great work. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Have a good night. Good night. All right. Later. That was Ninferno from Dual Shockers. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at Ninferno, N-I-N-F-E-R-N-O. Just put an N in front of Inferno, like he said. And um, you can follow him on Twitter. You can also go to DualShockers.com. Definitely check those guys out. They do a lot of great work. Um, you can check out their Dual Cast and their Shock Cast. Look for them on iTunes. And um, show them a little love. Let them know MTR sent you. They also have a Facebook fan page. Uh, look for them on Facebook and check them out there as well. Um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, but when I get back, we are going to talk about wrestling. We're going to jump into some gaming stuff. Uh, I have some MMA news, but it's really not that much stuff, so I will kind of skip it this week uh, only because there's so much more stuff to discuss. But we will get into it right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. If you smell what the rock is cooking. 
All right, let's talk about some wrestling, obviously, by the music you just heard. Um, it's no surprise that The Rock made his return to WWE programming this week with WWE Raw. A um, couple of things before I get into that. I actually do have audio of the promo that The Rock cut, and I do want to share that with you guys just because there was a lot of comedy gold in that exchange that he had with Michael Cole and also his thoughts on John Cena. Uh, first off, I want to go through some of the matches on Raw Raw opened up with a match between John Cena and CM Punk. John Cena ended up winning due to getting cracked over the head with a wrench during the match. Uh, Definitely not a a bad ending for this match. You you can continue to book Cena by beating up the Nexus every week. It was definitely good to see CM Punk win. Of course, there was a little bit of uh, uh, tomfoolery involved, but it was all good. It kept Punk strong going into the pay-per-view um, into the Elimination Chamber, and it also made John Cena seem vulnerable uh, with the Nexus, so definitely a good, a good opener. Wasn't their best match, but it was definitely a, a great match for free TV. Um, Alberto Del Rio, of course, came out, cut himself his little promo. Dolph Ziggler came out, blah, blah, blah. It, it was more so a setup for the 600th episode of SmackDown, which is tomorrow. Um, in addition to that, there was a 221.11 promo shown. A lot of people are saying that um, it's going to be The Undertaker's return, which if it is, it's pretty stupid to uh, waste advertising dollars on promoting a guy who's coming back for the 85th time, which is silly. Personally, I think that if it's staying, it'll be different and it'll be fresh. Right now, it seems that Triple H will be coming back and facing The Undertaker in a streak versus career match uh, with probably HBK as the ref. That's, that's a rumor. Take it exactly as that as a rumor. Probably, of course, the Triple H will lose, which will allow him to retire and continue to work in the WWE front offices as he's been doing for the last couple of months. I, I, honestly, I have no problem with that, given the fact that Triple H has sustained a lot of really bad injuries over the years. He's not getting any younger. The man has two kids. I think that it would be a fitting end to his legacy to wrestle The Undertaker in a match of that magnitude. So if they do go that route, I have no issue with it whatsoever. Uh, The Divas title was defended uh, with Natalia against Eve Torres. Um, It was a lumber-jill match. Typical Divas clusterfuck as usual. Eve is improving, though, from a wrestling standpoint. I really enjoyed uh, watching her wrestle. She didn't look like a fucking chicken without a head out there, so... Definitely a, a, a passable match out of her. Next up, we had a match with The Miz and Daniel Bryan, which was a, a great match. For once, The Miz performed well. He won clean, which was good. Um, definitely bummed that, that Bryan lost, especially because he's been losing so often in some of these matches. But it was very competitive, and losing against The Miz, a guy who has the belt right now, is not a bad thing. On the contrary, it kept The Miz strong going into the pay-per-view, so a really good match. I think that if you give these guys a lengthy feud, especially with the history they've had, you can get some really great matches out of them. Uh, Michael McGillicuddy and Starscream Atunga fought John Morrison and R-Truth. Anybody who thought that the Nexus were going to win in this match, sadly mistaken, Morrison and Truth uh, both looked really good in this match. It wasn't the worst thing. I actually enjoyed just John Morrison's performance. He actually showed a lot more life to his character. He was expanding just beyond, you know, fans blowing his hair and shitty pyro and fur coats. He was actually showing more personality, more of a mean streak, more viciousness, which is actually really good for his character, and it helps his progression for sure. So definitely a, a bit of a coming-out party for John Morrison in terms of in-ring, in-ring performance. Uh, next, we had Randy Orton and Sheamus. 
Uh, Randy Orton and Sheamus, typical Randy Orton and Sheamus match. Not one of their better matches. The It was just a big get for the the setup for the match that would um, close out the show, and not only that, of course, unveil the guest host for WrestleMania, which, like I said, is The Rock. Now, before I give my opinion on The Rock and his involvement in WrestleMania, I would like you guys to hear the promo that he cut, because needless to say, it was comic gold from start to finish. He... The, the man's, I, I want you guys to take this into consideration before I play this. The guy's been out of wrestling for seven years. Seven. And he came out there, and it almost was like he hadn't lost a beat. I'm sure his wrestling probably needs some improvement, but The Rock was never known for his five-star wrestling ability. He was known for his ability to entertain and do great things for the industry. So... With that said, his involvement in WrestleMania is crucial because, honestly, with the matches that they're setting up, I wouldn't, have bought, I wouldn't have watched WrestleMania even if it would have been for free, just because it's the same shit and the same drivel we see every week. But with that, check out The Rock's promo, and I will let you know my thoughts once it's finished. But there's one more man who The Rock wants to see. There's one more man who the rock is gonna see. And that man Take one more step towards that computer. The Rock will get out of here and slap the taste so far out of your mouth. You'll never get it back. Shut up. Michael Cole, you actually think that The Rock is just going to let you walk over to that computer and interrupt him when he is live on Raw? Is that what you think? You actually think that any of us give a damn what your general manager has to say. Michael Cole, is that what you think? I'll tell you what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. And what you do, Michael Cole, is you sit your ass at that announcer booth, you take off your headset, and you don't say a word. And I quote, you know your damn role and shut your damn mouth.
because if you don't, The Rock will have some pretty cool Facebook pictures to post on his Facebook tonight. Does anyone here want to contribute to The Rock's Facebook tonight? Really simple, facebook.com slash Dwayne Johnson. If Michael Cole doesn't do as The Rock says, you're going to get a beautiful picture of The Rock stepping out of this ring, going over to that computer. Some of you may know where I'm going with this. The picture you're going to get is The Rock shining it up real nice, turning that thumb sideways and sticking it straight up Michael Cole's camera. Now sit down, you look like a drunk hobbit. Sit your ass. going to see. There is one man who the rock has to see face to face. A guy who I met, a guy who I thought was a cool guy. Wished him well, happy for his success. When the rock leaves, he comes in and out of the blue, eventually, he starts talking trash about the rock. I don't know why, and I don't care, but I'm back now. You might have heard of him. His name is John Cena. So let me get this straight. The WWE has gone from the powerful Austin 316 to the dominant and iconic. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? All the way to you can't hear me. You can't see me. You can't see me. What are you playing, peekaboo? You can't see me. I can see you. You can't. Can you see me? Oh, believe me. We all can see you. We all can see you. A blindfolded sleeping, stuck in the basement, Stevie Wonder can see your monkey. How the hell do you think we can miss? You come out here with your bright-ass purple shirt, and before that, Your bright green shirt, before that, your bright orange shirt, you're running around here looking like a big fat bowl of fruity pebbles.
John Cena, The Rock will see you at WrestleMania. Just like The Rock will see The Miz at WrestleMania. Just like he will see everyone at WrestleMania. And just as sure as The Rock, just as sure as The Rock turns WrestleMania into the most epic WrestleMania of all time. And just as sure as anything can and will happen at WrestleMania. And just as sure as every day John Cena walks out here looking like he just got shot out of Barney the Dinosaur's anus. All right, that wrapped it up. There was a lot more to it, but that was a long-ass promo. That um, that particular promo went, oh, Raw ends at, an, at 11 o'clock. It went until about 11.25, nearly 11.30 or so. A um, couple of things. The Rock returning was great. Nobody knew about it. Not even the fucking Internet knew about it. I will tell you this, though. How many weeks ago did I not tell you guys that The Rock was going to host WrestleMania? Nobody else would be hosting WrestleMania. Uh, uh, nobody of that magnitude. Yeah, you can get Shawn Michaels, but no one gives a shit. I'm sorry, but I like Shawn Michaels. He was a, an integral part of my childhood in regards to a lot of wrestling memories, but no. And it's not going to be Stone Cold just because Stone Cold Steve Austin is involved with Tough Enough. He could host WrestleMania, but I just don't see him giving... WrestleMania, the kind of pop it needed. The, the Rock being involved definitely steps the game up a lot. A couple of things can happen. It, it, the Rock's involvement makes you need to tune into Raw every week now because The Rock is going, you know, he, it, this is going to be the road to WrestleMania. There's going to be The Rock plugging away every week, whether they're in person or uh, via tape vignettes. Who knows, but The Rock's involvement now will be crucial to WrestleMania in terms of, of helping it get that extra on-the-fence buy that a lot of people had. An interaction with Cena is a no-brainer. Whether this leads to an, a match between the two with, I don't know, a month and a half of prep time, not so much. Um, but to answer MMA Gospel's uh, dance question, it's tough enough the, uh, the, for WWE where it's all a reality show. You can check it out on WWE.com. Um, moving on, the, the involvement of The Rock, like I said, is, is great for the event. It, it, it helps add a little bit of, of panache to the event. And regardless of what The Rock says about not being there to promote a movie, Fast and Furious 5 is coming out, I believe, in May. So don't fucking play yourself, Rock. We know there's going to be some convenient commercials and some, and some little tie-ins. They're probably not going to be coming from you directly, but there's definitely going to be some shit going down with the promotion for that movie. So anybody that sits there and thinks for one fucking second that that movie won't get promoted is out of their fucking minds. That's number one. Number two, John Cena, you, they don't want to turn him heel because, you know, they're too busy raping the pockets of mothers and fathers and children around the world, and that's fine. But I can guarantee that involving him in a program with The Rock is almost on the same level of Rock and Hogan in the sense that you won't need to do much to make Cena heal. Half of the audience already dislikes his character, children and women like him. The, the, the older demographic, they don't really like him that much, and I can understand why, you know, because his gimmick is a little bit too, too passe. It's kind of run its course, and that heel turn definitely is something that they don't want to do outright. But involving him in a program with The Rock, 
it's cake. It's easy. And you know what? Say The Rock sticks around through WrestleMania, maybe a, a week or two after WrestleMania is out, and he leaves. John Cena can resume being a face and feuding with the same guys he's feuded with week in and week out. I said it before, and I'll say it again. The Rock's involvement is crucial to the success of WrestleMania. Was anybody going to pay $60 to watch Edge and Alberto Del Rio in a main event? No, the fuck they weren't. Were they going to tune in to watch The Undertaker hobble his ass to the ring and fight some asshole for the 18th time, and you know the guy's going to win? No. Are you going to tune in to watch Randy Orton and his monotonous-ass promos pretend to be a snake and jump around in the ring and do an RKO? No. No one gives a shit. The new crop of stars, while they are great and they are fantastic to watch, they don't capture the, the interest of the fans, the imagination of the fans, like the Attitude Era athletes, well, superstars did. The Stone Cold Steve Austins, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Degeneration X, that's the stuff that made you want to drop $60 because it was so random. You didn't really know what was going to happen. At that point, also, the Internet wasn't as advanced as it is now where you kind of can know at the drop of a hat what's happening. I, I know about shit sometimes that's going to happen two weeks in advance because somebody on Twitter talked to somebody backstage who talked to somebody's friend who heard it in the bathroom, and the shit comes out. And I, what do I end up saying? Fuck, I knew about it two weeks ago. There was no surprise. Raw, with the exception of The Rock's appearance, was a passable Raw. There was good matches, uh, good storyline development for the Elimination Chamber, but it was just another passable Raw that probably would have rated a 2.9 or a 3.0 anyway. The involvement of, of The Rock just upped the ante, and not only that, Jim Ross said it himself in his blog that The Rock came out there and did what many, what few people have yet to master, and that's have the crowd eating out of his hand and the guy's been out of the ring for seven years. I tell you this, WWE roster members, young, old, main event, and non-main event need to fucking take notice. If you can't cut a fucking promo, why are you here? Wrestling is definitely, and you know, I reference Mist, 75% of the game, mic work is 25% of the game, but no one will give a fuck about you if you don't have some sort of mic work going on. And, um... I know that Slick is on hold. I'm going to bring him in uh, because he has his thoughts to share on it, and um, I'll go through the rest of the wrestling news, and we'll talk games. Let me bring Slick in. Slick, you're on the air, bro. What's going on? What's up, man? What do you got for us? Um, after hearing that promo, I almost want to watch wrestling again. See? Almost. Almost. But but you see what I'm saying? The The... the the magnitude of that promo, the engagement of that promo, especially for, for, for fans that, have, that haven't been around for a minute, I've, I've read at least 25 people on Twitter saying, holy shit, The Rock came back, I might need to watch Raw next week. Achievement one, unlocked for WWE. <laughs> yep, basically. There was one thing you said that I didn't agree with, though. You said how... Um, the Rock has, I mean, obviously The Rock has the great, the, you know, some of the greatest uh, promos that we've heard in, since, like, the Roddy Piper days. But um, he was talking about his ring presence wasn't, like, a top-notch thing, and I have to disagree with that. While I wouldn't put him with, like, the Jimmy Snookers, the, the you know, Ricky Steamboats, and even newer people like, <clears throat> excuse me, like Shawn Michaels, 
or the Hardy Boys in their prime. It's like wrestling is, you know, they call it sports entertainment, but you know, you have you have weight classes even though they they're always crossed. Rock fits into the heavyweight class. He he always came in at two seventy five, and out of the people who were like two fifty to you know the big show, he basically was the most energetic in the ring. The you know he had basically the flashiest moves even before his like his his finishing move. I mean, especially after he started doing movies and started doing stunts and stuff, that's when he started doing like little flips and shit in the ring and. You know, it was something to watch. It wasn't just something to hear when he was on the mic. He was actually something to watch that was a little bit different, if not too much different, from, let's say, the lumbering around of Triple H or the Big Show. Okay. But you know what it is? And and I understand where you're coming from, but when I when I discuss, you know, the, the, the Rock in regards to wrestling, the way I see it is the Rock's wrestling – I, you know, he wasn't a, a technical genius like, like a Chris Benoit or a Dean Malenko. He wasn't a high flyer like a Chris Jericho or a Rey Mysterio. The Rock was a brawler um, who added a little panache to his offense, you know, spitting in his hand before he slapped somebody, you know, the people's elbow. He added that little extra panache. But you know what it is? When you watch a Rock match, I can call a Rock match from downstairs while I'm sitting on the bowl taking a two-hour shit. It's pretty much punch, kick, punch, kick, spit in your hand, slap them, all people's elbow, elbow pad comes off, back and forth, back and forth, drop the elbow, uh, spine buster, possibly into the people's elbow also, and you either throw out his piss-poor sharpshooter or you set up for the rock bottom. His matches were very formulaic, and again, that doesn't dispute the fact that he was he's one of the greatest entertainers in the game, but it does add... Um, you know, something that I've always said before where you can talk a lot, but it can only get you so far. You know, his his wrestling is very formulaic. John Cena's the same way. His wrestling is punch, kick, punch, kick, five-knuckle shuffle, maybe the FU into his stupid-ass um, uh, submission move. Now he's doing that top rope leg drop, which looks like it's in fucking slow motion. You know what I mean? Some guys just aren't gifted in that in that level, but are gifted in others, and The Rock parlayed his mic skills into making people look past his wrestling. His wrestling is very basic. I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that either. I'm, I'm literally just talking about, because like, like they say themselves, it's sports entertain, entertainment. And it was nothing super technical, but it was entertaining. You, yep. you mentioned Chris Benoit, who, you know, say whatever you want to say about what happened, but... He was one of the most technical wrestlers there was. He was one of the greatest wrestlers around. And his That's matches right. were fucking boring as shit. I like what you're on the ring, but his matches were fucking boring. Exactly. But you want to know where that, where that stems from? See, you, you, you embrace and you enjoy the, the sports entertainment aspect. I... You know, that, and that's where we differ, and and I and I see that especially now that you've you've made it come across as such. It's like for me, I don't mind the technical matches. I also don't mind watching somebody getting power bombed off the steel cage. It's all good to me. You know, I don't mind Ric Flair looking like he has a crimson mask and a red wig on and and clown shoes. I don't give a shit. You know, I I don't mind that because that's the stuff that that adds a great dynamic to wrestling. It can't always be, you know. 
great promos and decent wrestling. Sometimes you need the wars, and sometimes you need the, the garbage wrestling. Like, you know, you can have a Matt Classic with a Chris Benoit, which I can enjoy. You can have a Hogan and Rock match, which was fantastic in terms of, of, of the build-up for it. But on the same note, you can have a match like Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk, where it was, you know, glass light bulb tubes getting busted over your head, barbed wire, um, steel chairs, kendo sticks, and you can find great use in that as well. It's all about what you enjoy. See, I, I see it now that you like the, the, the panache. You like that, that larger-than-life persona, and I do too to an extent, but I, I appreciate the, the technical shit. Like, Benoit was boring, and, you know, his mic work was complete shit, but he can choke a motherfucker out like the best of them. I mean, you know, his family can vouch for that, but <laughs> nonetheless, hey, 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 I, I got to keep it real. He fucking choked out his family. He did. He fucking killed them. He's still a great wrestler, but he choked them out. He did. It's just the way it is. It is what it is, man. I, I, I got to ask you this, though. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, bro. I was going to say, they really needed to stop and start turning back on the old tapes when it was WWF, when you had Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan just sitting in a room talking shit to each other, and then they cut to a match where you would have, you know, let's say the Rockers versus Demolition, and then you'd have, like, the Brooklyn Brawler versus Mr. Perfect. Some bullshit throwing match that lasts like three minutes and then just have another good match and another bullshit match and finally have a main event. It's like, I mean, I'm not against them, but the women's matches really need to go. I mean, I love looking at pretty women, but these matches just do nothing for me. And it's like, I'd rather watch a Brooklyn brawler getting his ass beat by, you know, a popular wrestler or, like, just bringing the jobbers out to get their ass kicked by a freaking The Undertaker or some shit like that. It's like the old formula worked, and they, they this new shit is not working. Well, you know what the this problem is? With the Nexus, groups like uh -oh. the Nexus, all they're trying to do is find a next <laughs> DX, and it's failing horribly. But, you know, the... Here's here's how here's how I see it and 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 what you're saying is true. The 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 problem is that the booking has come a long way. I mean, I've seen and you know, Carrie said it when he was here from Ring of Honor, and I've heard countless other um, bloggers say the same thing. You need to have people chasing for the belt. You need to have. You can't give away all your matches. It's like you know, you can't put the cart before the horse. You know, it's, you, you can't have pay-per-view quality matches every fucking week. You got to have a couple of squash matches. You got to have so you got to have two or three good matches and some squash matches to get people over. But you should really try and invest all your interest in getting people to order pay-per-views because if you want people to plunk sixty dollars down every three weeks and you're not utilizing any sort of a build or you're tossing motherfuckers out there that have no necessity to be out there yet, I think that they should go back to basics a little bit. Same thing with the women's matches. The problem with the women's matches is, uh, isn't the fact that it's the quality of the matches, it's the fact that they haven't invested enough time into making some of these women better wrestlers. I've seen kick-ass uh, women's wrestling matches. I've seen Japanese women's matches, and, and Miss can probably vouch for that in the chat, 
There are Japanese women's matches, dude, that will make you embarrassed at watching some of the shit that we watch every week. Because they go out there and, they, and it's serious business. Chicks getting, you know, catching a pile driver and a tiger driver 91 and, and like, real serious shit. The problem is that these chicks, it's a, it's a Barbie doll factory, and, and they're, they're churning them out, and they see them, and they're like, all right, we can get this chick on. She looks pretty cute, like, like Kelly Kelly. You take a chick like Kelly Kelly, all-American girl, uh, very pretty to look at, nice smile, boom, let's throw her out there. Hey, man, but you want to put her out there so soon she doesn't outrun her? Fuck it, throw her out there. And that's what happens. You know, the Barbie doll factory, is it just churns them out. And the matches suffer, and then people look at women's wrestling like a fucking sideshow. It's like women's MMA. When you think of women's MMA, you think of it as a sideshow until you see them going in there and throwing fucking beatings. Then your outlook changes. I don't know. Ever since they, you know, it used to be four pay per views a year. Now it's like 18 pay per views a year. And like you said, you have matches that you normally would only see in a pay per view coming on every week. That's why this shit is boring. Uh, Back in the day, like Daniel Bryan being the IC, uh, the U.S. title holder, fighting the Miz. Back in the day, when the IC champion fought the WWE champion, it was fucking huge. It wasn't in the middle of your card. You know, it wasn't at some throwaway match. It was the match that closed out the show. People were like, holy shit, you know, can the second-tier guy beat the champion, and does that allow him to move up and challenge? Because the way I've always seen it, the IC guy is the guy next in line to get a WWE title shot. Now, those rules are out the fucking window. So Daniel Bryan goes out there, he has decent matches, gets his ass whooped, and gets nowhere near a belt, even though he's the secondary, you know, he's the second-tier champion. It's stupid. It's like, it's like who, who books this shit? Same thing in, in TNA. When you have your TV title and your X Division title, those are guys that at some point should be challenging for the main belt. You know, Vince McMahon needs to get off his, his, his I need the big jacked-up guy to have the belt uh, scenario. Because you know what? There aren't that many big jacked-up guys out there that can even wrestle as good as they should. Most of them are punch, kick, punch, kick, and a power bomb, or possibly a choke slam, or some version of a rock bottom. Every big guy does some version of an Urinagi slam, a.k.a. the rock bottom. All of them do it. If you're over six feet tall, you automatically use the fucking choke slam. It's, it's stupid. It's so formulaic and so piss poor that it frustrates me as a fan. So, you know, when you see shit like The Rock coming back and stuff, you know, you take, the, you take that little trip down memory lane for a couple of weeks, and then it's all gone, and it's back to brass tacks and the same shit we've had all the time. You're right once you said about the champions, though, because, I mean, back in the day, champions never saw each other in the ring unless they, they were like, uh, like a special tag team or something. The yep. first time champions saw each other in the ring in terms of WWF, WWE, was the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan, and it was a WrestleMania. And after the Warrior won, they had a whole, like, I don't even know how many months long, it went to the next pay-per-view competition that the freaking Intercontinental Championship was vacant, and motherfuckers were beating the shit out of each other just to try to get that belt. Yep. Gonski, that dude. was good. Gonski. That was good programming. Ugh. 
it's come a long way since then, dude, and not for the better either. Nope. All right, bro, you got anything else to add? No, I'm good for wrestling. All right, bro. I'm going to catch you on the flip side. All right, later. All right, we're going to take another commercial break, and when I come back, we are going to go into video games and movies because there is much to discuss right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, let's talk some games, folks. First off, for those of you that are still playing SmackDown vs. Raw 2011, they got some new DLC content out for you guys that you can pick up. Uh, you can pick it up on Xbox Live, and you will get the WCW Nitro Arena. Uh, John Cena in his new purple attire, which I'm sure The Rock will have issue with. Uh, CM Punk with his sports uh, with his uh, fuck, Straight Edge Society mask. And The Undertaker in his American badass costume. You will also get new attire for Sheamus. So definitely, if you're going to pick that up, keep an eye out for it on Xbox Live. In some Duke Nukem news, of course, Duke Nukem Forever is slated to be released very soon. It's been 14 years that it's taken to be released, but nonetheless, there's going to be a limited edition available for the diehard fans. It's going to be called the Balls of Steel Edition, and it's going to be $99 for Xbox 360, PC, and PlayStation 3. Besides the game, of course, you're going to get a bust of Duke Nukem that's going to come with a numbered certificate of authenticity. You're also getting a 100-page hardcover art book, some postcards, a radioactive emblem sticker, some foldable paper craft of some sort, a comic book, some poker chips, a mini card deck, and radioactive emblem dice. So you're going to be able to cop all that stuff for 100 bucks. So keep an eye out for that Balls of Steel edition. It was on uh, Amazon, and then they took it down. I actually heard that the link may be back, and you can check that out. Um, like I said, coming very soon when Duke Nukem is released, and it will run you 99 bucks. A game that I hadn't seen in a while and was brought back into the limelight, especially with Toy Fair happening this week here in New York City with Spyro, uh, Spyro is going to be making his return to consoles, and he's going to be using um, a new augmented reality technology to enhance the gameplay. The game is going to be called Skylander's Spyro's Adventure, and it's going to allow Spyro the Dragon to join various characters on multiple words. Um, you're going to be using something called a portal mat, which you'll be able to put one of over 30 toys onto the mat, and it'll drop them into the game as characters. The characters are going to have internal memory that's going to save experience, gold, and improve skills. And you can transfer those characters to a friend's game to play co-op or versus. So definitely something that looks very interesting. Um, I'd like to really see the portal mat in action. It sounds very hokey, of course, but it, it also adds a little bit of, 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 of interest on my part just because you, they're, they're using a new technology to bring it out. Uh, the game is going to be coming out this fall. It's going to run you 70 bucks. You're going to get the game, a portal mat, and three toys and trading cards. They haven't announced any platforms as of yet, 
but definitely we're going to be keeping an eye out on that very soon, and we'll be talking about it in future episodes of MTR. Also this week, the long-rumored and heavily discussed PlayStation phone finally saw the light of day, now known as the Xperia Play. A um, couple of things. You'll be able to pick up that phone in March, and it's going to have 50 games available. You're going to get a 5.0 megapixel uh, camera, a 4-inch uh, multi-touch display, and it's going to be handled by Verizon. So you're going to have uh, some choices out there. Uh, Peter Farmer, head of marketing for North America, Sony, uh, Sony Ericsson, said the Xperia Play combined with the power of Verizon Wireless Network gives you everything you need in a smartphone and, one, uh, with, and the one you want, the ultimate gameplay experience. All phones are going to come preloaded with Asphalt Adrenaline 6, Bruce Lee, Star Battalion, The Sims 3, and Tetris. In addition to that, the phone will be running Android platform Gingerbread 2.3. So a couple of things with this. Um, a lot of people have been complaining just because um, PlayStation 1 games will probably be playable on the Xperia Play, as will some other dedicated titles, and who knows, maybe some PSP titles, depending on the strength of the hardware. Um, there were a lot of people that took issue with the fact that you're going to have to rebuy PlayStation 1 games. But you know what? In regards to that argument, you have to rebuy PlayStation 1 games on the PSN network anyway. So it, it's just a matter of having that gameplay with you. Now, the question is, if you own the games on your PSN network, will you be able to use them on the phone? From what I've been hearing, no, you're going to need to do a completely new purchase to play those games on the handheld device. And... I actually like this only because you're giving a lot of competition to the iPhone and the Android platform is continuing to help that along. Um, I feel that gaming as a whole is relegated to portable consoles, and there's actually a really good crop of games um, on the iPhone and the iPad, and Android also is starting to do that with Angry Birds and Word Feud and Words with Friends, you know, a lot of the casual games. So to allow you to play some PlayStation 1 games on your phone, hey, it's a good diversion if you're online or if you're in a lobby waiting or if you're in a waiting room or even in the bathroom. No harm in it. I mean, as long as it's not outrageously priced, I can see it gaining some sort of uh, headway. But, again, you have the NGP coming out soon and you have probably a new iPhone and an iPad. At this point, Sony, in my eyes, is a little bit late to the party with this just because they could have done something like this a lot earlier when the Android platform was not in its infancy, but definitely gaining a little bit more headway. Now at this point, it's, it's almost like Sony's just grabbing every angle they can to get gaming out there. And it, it may come back to bite them in the ass, because if you have an NGP or you already have an iPhone or an iPad, what incentive is there to play some of these titles? They really have to come out with good titles that will make you want to part with some money and pick up a brand new phone for the exclusivity of playing that. And honestly, the shelf life for phones, especially with Android and the constant updates, I, I really don't see it going longer than a year or two. And not only that, but if they come out with newer phones, newer hardware, will you be able to transfer those purchases over? These are questions that Sony's going to definitely need to answer if they expect people to part with their money for this phone. But... It should be coming out later on in March, and once I get further details, of course, I will be sharing it with you guys. Joystick put up an article this week confirming what something that I had already known to be true, that Rocksteady's new Batman Arkham City will not support multiplayer. 
Um, Arkham City is going to be a single-only, a single-player-only experience, according to Sefton Hill from Rocksteady. So anybody who was, was was creaming in their shorts for some multiplayer in Batman Arkham City, sorry to burst your bubble, not gonna happen. But hey, Arkham City is still going to be a great sequel, nonetheless. I'm definitely going to pick it up. Batman Arkham Asylum was fantastic. And Arkham City, I have a feeling, is going to be just as good. And something that I found very shocking when I read it earlier this morning, um, and I wanted to bring to the attention of you guys, um, usually when I talk about the console numbers, especially earlier on in early episodes of My Take Radio, I would continuously uh, harp on the fact that PlayStation 2s were selling every month consistently. And it raised a lot of questions as to who was buying them, um, you know, why would you buy a PlayStation 2, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the best part, and I couldn't even believe this when I read it. Um, it's been over, it's been 10 years since PlayStation 2 debuted in Japan. Sony announced that there have been 150 million PlayStation 2 units shipped since launch. Sony also announced that the system has 10,828 titles available. And in addition to that, they have sold over 1.5 billion units of software. So that, A, PlayStation 2 is, 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 was a solid system. There were many great games on it, from Metal Gear to God of War to Siphon Filter, Battle Arena to Shinden, Resident Evil, the list goes on and on. So these numbers, definitely not surprising in the least. For Pokemon fans that are listening, the Pokemon trading card game, which has been around pra practically 12 years now, um, you're going to be able to be playing the Pokemon trading card game online. Coming this April, you'll be able to play the Pokemon Trainer Challenge, a game that will let players create, make their own avatar and take on 14 AI opponents with cards. The game is going to come with three pre-made decks to use, and after April 6th, you'll be able to get some other decks in Pokemon Black and White that will have unlock codes in Pokemon Black and White to allow you to use these new decks. So for those of you that enjoyed playing the Pokemon card game, you'll be able to take it online in April. Ah, good old Madden. Of course, for those of you that follow NFL football closely, you guys know that there is a possibility of no NFL season next year due to an NFL lockout. Of course, the NFL, uh, play, the, uh, NFL Players Association and the, and the NFL brass have been uh, back and forth negotiating on a lot of issues. And, of course, this raised the question of what happens with the almighty Madden, or as Slick likes to call it, that Madden. Um, Madden, actually, I was, I was actually looking forward to the Madden NFL exclusivity deal expiring, but according to 1UP, it seems that the contract has been extended through 2013. Originally, the contract was supposed to expire in 2012, but due to the lockout, they will have the possibility of expanding the contract one more year. So for anybody that was looking forward to seeing some more NFL stuff, definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, you will be seeing Madden and NFL football on one, on one game title for the foreseeable next two years. EA Games announced, for those of you that are PC gamers, that they will be releasing a Crisis 2 demo, which will be available for download March 1st. Um, you'll be able to go to crisisea.com to pick it up. The demo is going to include the Crisis 2 multiplayer demo, two maps, plus two different modes of play. The two maps available are going to be Skyline and Pier 17. 
Crisis 2 drops on consoles and PC March 22nd in North America and March 25th in Europe. The game was developed by Crytek UK. So if you're a PC gamer and you're still not sure about Crisis 2 and you have a system that can support it, that demo drops March 1st. For those of you, myself included, that are playing Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, you're going to be able to get some more content packs uh, in the next coming days. February 22nd, you're going to get three new ones. You're going to get Armed and Dangerous, which is going to add two modes, Most Wanted, which actually sounds really cool, which is going to be an open-world battle where the cops are out to bust a specific racer, and the other racers racing with that racer are going to be able to protect him. It's going to make full use of the open world, plus all weapons, and you're going to have to utilize team tactics. Also being added on is Arms Race, where all the, all the racers will have full weapon disposal to take each other out. You're going to have Lamborghinis, and three new Lamborghinis and ten new events, and you're also going to get the Porsche Untamed pack, which will add two Porsches and ten events. Each pack is going to run you seven bucks, and you're going to need to download the 1.2 patch before proceeding. So that will start trickling out February 22nd. I'll probably pick up that Most Wanted and the Arms Race. I really don't care about the Lamborghini or Porsche events. I mean, if I have some spare points laying around, maybe I'll pick them up, but it's not the end of the world for sure. And to round things off, the NPD numbers came in for the month of January. The top three sales, uh, the top three January releases, Dead Space 2, Little Big Planet, and DC. for MPD this, this month, well, for the month of January, I should say, was Just Dance 2, Zumba Fitness, Dance Central, and Michael Jackson The Experience, which all were in the top ten this month. Hardware sales, of course, were nice and quiet. Microsoft did give out a little bit of information saying they sold 381,000 consoles, and Sony said that software sales were up 25% from last year. Tops for 360, PS3, the Wii, the DS, and the PC was number one. Just Dance 2 for the Wii was number two. Dead Space 2 for the 360, PS3, and PC was three. Little Big Planet 2 was the fourth, fourth most sold title in January. Um, Zumba Fitness was number five. NBA 2K11 was six. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood was seven. Dance Central was 8, Michael Jackson The Experience was 9, and last but not least, DC Universe was 10. Surprising because a lot of people were not feeling the MMO uh, fees associated with the DC Universe. So that is the top 10 MPD titles for the month of January. A couple of things. The dance genre is definitely going to be catching on, especially now that the weather is getting warmer. Uh, people are going to be able to get their fitness on Outside, So I'd really like to see these numbers when the weather gets warmer to see if the dance titles continue to sell. I'm also assuming that there was definitely a lot of carryover from Christmas. So we shall see how things look in February. I'm going to take another commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some movies right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the hottest place on the internet for wrestling and video games is, of course, WGS Radio. We got it all. News, reviews, interviews with some of the biggest stars in wrestling today, and yes, 
even. Oh my God! The leader of Team Gooch himself, Mick Dirty says. That's every Wednesday and Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. And of course, for pay-per-views, two hours before every pay-per-view for wrestling. www.blogtalkradio.com slash WGSradio. We'll see you there. Let's talk some movies. First off, X-Men First Class. Of course, last week the X-Men First Class trailer was released. Um, a couple of things regarding the trailer that I, that I did not like. I didn't like the use of stock footage from the previous X-Men movies. Um, if you're going to create a brand new universe, you should let that universe stand on its own two feet. Um, I feel that this particular X-Men origin story is not canon to what's already been established uh, with the previous X-Men movies that were put out with uh, Patrick Stewart and um, Hugh Jackman and the rest of them. I I really did not like that. I also didn't like the fact that the effects just looked a little forced, um, a little dated for my liking. I definitely think that it was more so relegated to the trailer, but something that just jumped out at me in particular. In addition to that, um, X-Men First Class producer Brian Singer spoke um, a little bit about the film, and he gave a couple of highlights. He was asked about the the concept of Cyclops and Havoc not being brothers, which as soon as I read this, definitely did not uh, make me feel comfortable or at ease with this concept. Uh, He went on to say the following, it wouldn't physically fit for for Havoc to be the brother of Cyclops. We take some liberties on that. There are notions, but um, I don't want to give away certain um, interrelations, but let's just say there are some things that we do, that do adhere to the comic books and do so in a way that the fans will get a kick out of. Translation. We didn't really give a fuck about what, had, what happened in the comics, so, yeah, we'll kind of loosely say they're related somehow, but he may be a clone or some shit, but that's how I took it. I took it basically as... You know, we didn't really feel like investing enough time into the fact that they are brothers. Hello, they are. There's, there's no way that you, can, that you can scratch that without making it totally obvious that you guys just didn't do your homework. Havoc and Cyclops are brothers. There's also a third brother that popped up in later books. But as long as I've read X-Men, Cyclops and Havoc have always been brothers, period. Alex Summers and Scott Summers are related. What are you going to make them now? It's, it's stupid. It's stupid that they want to go and change that little nugget of information, considering that you're not even referencing Cyclops in this fucking movie, so what does it matter? When asked about the film's story arc, he said, um, he said those things can move forward in the future. That's one reason why we wanted to call the film First Class, even though it isn't first class in the comics as fans know it. You couldn't really tell the story without going even earlier and explaining how they got there and how it came to be. I like the title, so we kept it. But this is a prelude in a way that will eventually lead to the scenarios that fit in more clearly with the first class comics and situations. Translation, we didn't want to go and get all the overpaid actors that we got for the other X-Men movies, so we figured we'd go further back in X-Men mythos to get actors that we can probably have cheaper 
and to have for more than one or two sequels. That's really it. I think that they really took it back to, one, retelling the X-Men story, but also, two, it, it definitely had to be money. It had to be. I just, I just don't like the fact that they're going in this direction with certain things. The movie does show promise, but it doesn't show promise from the X-Men that we've come to expect. If you're going to go and see this movie with the expectation that you're going to get X-Men like original with Hugh Jackman and those guys and even the lackluster third film, you're going to be sorely mistaken. This is just a completely new take on the franchise and something that you're just going to have to go in there with an open mind and possibly enjoy. Right now, I'm really treading cautiously in regards to my, to my enthusiasm for this film. Right now, it, it, it's something I'm going to see. As a comic fan, I'm going to see it. But there's just certain things that definitely concern me. Moving on to some other Marvel news, of course, another situation of cart before horse. Captain America has not been released yet, but guess what? Marvel has already hired writers to write the sequel for Captain America First Avenger. The two writers that wrote the first film, uh, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, will be working on the sequel. Of course, Chris Evans will be reprising his role, and the sequel is believed to take place in the present day after the Avengers. But they haven't given out any story details as of yet, obviously because, hello, motherfuckers, the first one isn't out yet. But second Captain America movie, expect it sooner rather than later. Some box office numbers. I can't even believe that Adam Sandler's Just Go With It was number one. He actually defeated the almighty Justin Bieber, who was number two, uh, $30.6 million for the Justin Bieber movie. Nomeo and Juliet was number three. Considering that I saw maybe one or two commercials for that movie, I'm surprised it did so well. The Eagle was number four. The Roommate, a.k.a. Single White Female 2.0, was number five. The King's Speech was six. No Strings Attached was seven. Sanctum was eight. True Grit was nine. And The Green Hornet was ten. So those are your box office totals. In some Spider-Man movie news, the new Spider-Man film, which is directed by Mark Webb, finally got itself a title. It's going to be called The Amazing Spider-Man, and it's going to be coming out July 3rd, 2012. Of course, Andrew Garfield will be Peter Parker. Emma Stone will be Gwen Stacy. You've got Reese Ephens in there. Dennis Leary, Campbell Scott, um, Irfan Khan, Martin Sheen, and Sally Field. Um, as of right now, there's rumors going around that Irfan Khan will be playing the role of Nels Van Adder in Amazing Spider-Man. In the comic books, if you research Nels Van Adder, he is an Oscorp employee that ends up becoming the Red Proto-Goblin. Nobody knows yet if that transformation is going to happen or if we will even see the Green Goblin in this film. But as of right now, Nels Van Adder is the villain. I don't know if anybody else is involved, but he, is the, he seems to be the main target thus far. In some Batman movie news, of course, uh, Marion Cotillard and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt were announced uh, to be cast in that movie. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be playing Black Mask, uh, Roman Sinois, and Marion Cotillard will be playing um, Talia al Ghul. Uh, again, uh, when I posted this on the Facebook fan page and I asked for feedback, um, Bronx, one of our staff members, said that there were too many villains in the movie. I mean, you have Selena Kyle involved, you have, B you have Bane, you have Talia, and now you have Black Mask. Whether they're all part of the League of Assassins and tie in with Talia, who knows, but as of right now, those seem to be your core four villains. 
There is also rumors that Hugo Strange may be involved. I don't know how far they're going in regards to the screen time for these characters, if they're going to be all um, interwoven into the Batman storyline completely or if they're going to be in different acts in the movie. But those are your four characters so far. you got Black Mask, uh, Tali Al Ghul, uh, Selina Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, even though people say it's not going to be the case. Um, Anne Hathaway is playing Catwoman, so you guys better get ready. And, of course, you have Bane as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they all mesh, how they mesh all these characters in with a time allotment of two hours. But we'll see. In some other news, of course, I told you that 21 Jump Street is slow. Jump Street. 21 Jump Street, excuse me, is slowly coming together. Of course, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill are in this movie. And a newest addition to the cast is Ice Cube. He will be playing the precinct captain who originally was played by Steve Williams in the original 21 Jump Street. So keep an eye out for that probably during the summer. Now, in, in a little bit of what-the-fuck movie news, Arnold Schwarzenegger mentioned on Twitter that he is looking to make a return to acting. As such, Universal is already keeping an eye out for resurrecting the Terminator franchise and involving Arnold as well. Universal is looking at Justin Lin, who directed the first three Fast and Furious movies, to possibly direct the newest installment. As of right now, the plan is for Lin to work with writer Chris Morgan, who worked on 47 Ronin, and of course, if this all happens, Arnold Schwarzenegger may be coming back to the franchise. Terminator's kind of been quiet. The Terminator series has been quiet as of late, obviously because of the company uh, Pacific Corps, which acquired the rights to the franchise during the bankruptcy court proceedings. And in addition to that, you didn't hear much about Terminator due to the mediocre box office numbers for Terminator Salvation. So, it should be interesting to see what they can do to involve Arnold Schwarzenegger in another Terminator movie, considering that he is old as shit. But that's going to be news for future episodes of MTR, especially if they're going to use Justin Lin, who did The Fast and Furious. Next, in some Wolverine news, Darren, um, I always fuck up this guy's name, Darren Aronofsky um, is gave a little bit of information regarding the next Wolverine movie, which is going to be aptly just titled Wolverine. He said that it is not a sequel, and he stated that he loves working with Hugh Jackman, and he wants to do something that hasn't been done yet. So he wants to make a film that everyone wants to see, as opposed to doing something where the film is focusing on his origin. The film is going into production very soon, and you'll be able to catch it sometime in 2012. So... Wolverine is going to be taking a departure from the X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was very lackluster for a multitude of reasons, and may actually venture into the Wolverine we, we've all come to know and love as comic book fans with a little bit of grit and a little bit of violence attached in there. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out for that. Here is a, a, a stat I wanted to share with you guys that just boggles my mind. Um, it, it's pretty historic, actually. And it's going to be the fact that in 2011, Hollywood will be releasing 27 sequels, making this year record-breaking for the most sequels in box office history. You're going to get 27 sequels. 2011 will also be the year of the most part fours. You're going to get Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, which is Mission Impossible 4, Pirates of the Caribbean, Scream 4, Spy Kids 4, 
and the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. In addition to that, you're going to get a lot of Part 5s, including, including Fast and the Furious 5, Final Destination, uh, Puss in Boots, which basically is the fifth Shrek, X-Men First Class being the fifth X-Men movie, and, of course, the fifth Winnie the Pooh film. So, 2011, year of the sequels, which is, which is insane. It, it, it's just the fact that there's it, it, that many historic sequels and such minimal uh, first-party releases that it, it, it's sad. It's sad that we're going to be plucking down, plucking down our hard-earned money to see, you know, the fifth Fast and Furious. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just insane that they'd rather go back to the well multiple times and actually generate 27 sequels. It's absurd. In some TV news, of course, I've been talking to you guys about the Wonder Woman TV series um, David E. Kelly is putting out. And earlier this week it was announced that Adrian uh, Palicki from Friday Night Lights will be playing Wonder Woman. The show is going to be a reinvention of the DC Comics title, and Wonder Woman, um, a.k.a. Diana Prince, is going to be a vigilante crime fighter in Los Angeles, but also a successful corporate executive who is trying to juggle all aspects of her life. I guarantee you this shit is not getting past five episodes, at minimum. Just because you're already starting to tweak shit a little too much, but, hey, it's, it's something where they're really going back to the well. Like I said, they're bringing back Charlie's Angels. They're doing all this shit with TV. And I know that Slick had wanted to voice his opinion on that, and I believe he is back on the line. Let me just bring him in real quick. Slick, what do you got on this Wonder Woman business, homie? Yeah, uh, I had seen that news as well, and I made a little post about it. I was actually asked people, I was taking bets on how long the show was going to the last, so you're saying five F's, which is less than actually less than what everybody else has been saying. Well, I, got I like to say five and fourteen. Well, you know what it is. I like to I like five episodes because you know when you're going weekly with it, you you have opportunities to kind of improve on certain things. One show that's continuously had moments of greatness and then a complete spiral into the fucking shit is the Cape. Which, which Andrea has been writing about every week. And, you know, I've been watching it as well. And it, it showed promise, and then it just started dipping into, into Formulaville, where everything is so glaringly obvious that you can pretty much um, forecast a show for the next month. If Wonder Woman comes out of the gate using that same piss-poor storytelling, I don't see it getting past five episodes. You know, it takes at least a month for you to get acclimated to a show. You've seen enough shows, especially some of the newer crop of shows that got cut off, that got cut off. Usually by the fourth episode, you know if you're going to continue vesting enough interest into it. My thing is, you look at the Wonder Woman character, the real Wonder Woman character. She's entirely too violent for NBC. This is true, but they're probably not even going to go that route. Like I said, considering the fact that she's going to be. Um, an executive, a successful corporate executive, and a vigilante crime fighter, I don't really see her doing nothing more than, you know, some fisticuffs, maybe a golden lasso or so, but it's not going to be on that level of violence that we've seen in the comics for sure, just because they can't embrace that, because they want to empower Wonder Woman's character, but they also want to play it safe. That's what I was saying. I was like, she's too violent to do it right on TV, and 
the 80s-style Wonder Woman TV show is not going to cut it these days. Nope. You see how superhero shows, as you know, from Smallville to The Cape to countless other superhero shows that have come and gone, if they don't, they don't grab you within the first couple of episodes, it's a recipe for disaster. The exclusion to that is Smallville because Smallville came out of the gate strong. It kind of reimagined the stories, but it didn't reimagine them to the point where, you know, you, you really hated it. You know what I mean? It kept it engaging enough, of course. Smallville has also spiraled down that path, but it's maintained a level of engagement that's kept it around long enough. If this show doesn't come out of the, out of the gate with a bang and, and deliver, I mean, David E. Kelly has a great track record with Boston Legal, Ally McBeal, um, Harry's Law, which is currently on television. You know, he has a good track record, but my, my concern is the fact that people, are people really just gonna, are going to tune in for Wonder Woman. And that's the thing. Like, when you put that name out there, like Superman, you put Superman out there, people get intrigued. Wonder Woman is a little bit of a, of a hit-and-miss character, depending on how you, you structure the character for the demographic. You know, because if you're catering to, to males 18 to, 18 to 24, you know you've got to make Wonder Woman look super hot. You've got to make the costume borderline, you know, a little, a little skimpy. And, and you've got to make sure to add a little bit of, of stuff to engage the male audience. It, it's all a matter of what audience this show's catering to when it drops. And that's the thing. They're like, so some of the people that I talked to said that, well, as long as they have a hot chick to show last, I was like, no, that, that's not going to cut it because you have a show that was on NBC last year, Undercovers, which had eye candy for men and for women, and it actually was a good show. It was well written, had good interaction between the characters, and it didn't make it to 2011. True. So I'm like, if the, if a good show can't make it, what hope does Wonder Woman have? This is true, but you know, you know the funny thing with that. Look at a show like V, which we've both been watching, and V V is is a guilty pleasure. If you don't watch V with the with the expectation of hokiness, you're gonna think it sucks complete shit. So it, 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 the same rules apply to something like Wonder Woman. If you don't come out of the gate with something passable within the first few episodes, people just aren't going to give a shit. I think the reason why I show like V last one, I mean, I, I like it, but it's it's giving something that other shows aren't. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of good versus evil shows, but there's no, you know, alien invasion on Earth show right now other than V. So Correct. that's, literally the reason why it's still on the air. There's nothing that a, a, a network television Wonder Woman show could bring to the table that's either not already being done, because even though by that time Smallville will be over, it won't fill the gap that Smallville fans want. And... It won't be anything fresh. It won't be anything that people will really give a shit about. I mean, they tried same network. NBC tried it with the Bionic Woman, and that didn't last either. Neither did Birds of Prey, for that matter, on the CW. There you go. You know, it's, I, I think that 
there's there's an inkling that they'll be able to fill in a void that Smallville leaves once it's over. But without any good storytelling and and a decent amount of violence, it's just going to be another, you know, it's just going to be another, you know, superhero show with uh, romantic undertones. Because even the cape has kind of ventured into into that territory with certain things that they're tossing out there. Spartacus airs on what stars? Spartacus airs on stars. It also streams on Netflix. If they put Wonder Woman on a network like Stars, it would be successful because they could have the real Wonder Woman fucking this is true. up viciously. It this would is go, true. You know, it could be either right before or right after Spartacus. And people will eat it up. You know what? It might work, especially you know with going with the Greek mythology and, and going in that level. But unfortunately, for for cable television right now, you know it's really all about pushing the envelope. And I don't think DC wants their character pushed that far. Like I honestly think if you know if you instead of doing a young uh, you know doing a Wonder Woman show, I honestly think a live action live uh, young Batman would work. Because... Like Batman it, it, year one? Yeah, kind of like a Batman year one or even like the Batman, you know, that the, the, the cartoon, you know, that captured him in his youth. And, you know, there was some reimagining in there, but I think that would be a great setup for not only keeping Batman in the limelight for the new movie to come out, but also to delve into the mythology a little bit and, you know, go into his his psyche when he first became Batman. Because you know what it is? When you see Batman Begins, you get that facet of Batman. But I think that most of the time, you know, when Bruce Wayne's parents died, you can go into so much more, like all the martial arts training he did, you know, all the stuff that he was learning in route to becoming Batman. And, and again, you can tease the, the gradual progression into Batman like they did with the gradual progression into Superman for Smallville. I think it would kick ass, dude. But honestly, it's like, I can't see too many more superhero shows making it, at least not on network TV. Nope. Heroes Heroes ruined it for a lot of people, and then, you know, they, they, when Heroes finished, they tried to put the cape in there to fill it, and the cape is, dude, I, the cape I know honestly won't be back for a second season. If it does, it'll be by the hair of their ass, and it'll be in the shittiest time slot ever. The cape is toilet paper. That's what I would yeah, use they... his cape for. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Anything else to add, my friend? No, that's it. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. Later. All right. We got a last bit of news. After Megan Fox turned down the role for Lara Croft, it seems that a new leading lady has come into the forefront, that lady being Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde is being rumored to be um, assuming the mantle of Lara Croft for the upcoming Tomb Raider reboot. Someone close to the, pro- to the project said, this would be a far darker and more serious Tomb Raider movie. The idea is to get a top director and an intelligent script and make this an empowering character for women as well as a popular one with men. Olivia is just one of the names being suggested for the lead, ro- for the lead role. She would appear to be ideal. Let me tell you something. The buzzword now for movies being successful, is going darker. How much darker do you need Tomb Raider to be? Tomb Raider doesn't even take itself seriously. Tomb Raider's one... Tomb Raider's the longest-running Raiders of the Lost Ark 
tit joke I've ever seen. There's always jokes about Lara Croft's sexiness and her sex appeal and her boobs. and it, it, No, no. Just leave it alone. Let the franchise rest quietly in peace. You want to bring it back? Why? Honestly, if, if, you want to go, if you want to go one better, the Tomb Raider series would actually make a passable TV show. Because you can, you can send Lara Croft on countless adventures every fucking week. But a movie? Another movie? No one's going to give a shit. I honestly think Tomb Raider on the small screen would, would fare better than Tomb Raider on the big screen. Last two bit of news items for this week. Of course, Entertainment Weekly, if you check it out this week, Henry Cavill is on the cover. Of course, Henry Cavill is your new Superman and Zach's, and in the new Zack Snyder-directed Superman project. Uh, Zack Snyder asked, well, gave a little bit of commentary, and I managed to pluck a couple of lines out of there. In regards to wearing the Superman suit, Zack Snyder said that if you can pull off that suit and pull it off, put it on and pull it off correctly, that's an awesome achievement. Henry Cavill said he, was, he felt he was not ready. He stated, all I could think was, oh, God, they're going to look at me and go, he's not Superman, not a chance. But the actor inside of me was going, you are not ready, you're not ready either. Zack Snyder said that when Cavill came out wearing the suit, no one laughed. He said, other actors put the suit on, and it's a joke, even if they're great actors. Henry put it on, and he exuded this kind of crazy, calm confidence that just made me go, wow, okay, this was Superman. I mean... A lot of people were complaining about him portraying Superman, but I think he work, he, he does work, especially if you look at the cover of Entertainment Weekly this week. But, again, I, I just say the same thing. It's beating a dead horse a little bit, but Brandon Routh was, was fine as Superman at that point. But Cavill looks like he can pull it off, and Snyder seems to think that he, he can do the franchise justice, so let's keep an eye out. I really am going to reserve judgment at least until I see a bit of a trailer or some sort of a teaser before really digging in and getting a full-on breakdown of what I think of the series as a whole. So I, I wish Zack Snyder the best of luck, and I will be watching it with much interest. And lastly, to close things out, Shane Black, uh, who directed Lethal Weapon and Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, is more or less a lock for doing Iron Man 3. Um, he's still in final negotiations, but... He, um, he will be the guy that many people are looking forward to seeing doing it. Some people are wondering if he's going to write it, since uh, his only previous directing cre his previous writing credit was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which starred Robert Downey Jr. Coincidentally, Iron Man three will be dropping May third, twenty thirteen. So it's a long ways off, but this stuff moves fast, and before you know it. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where we were just talking about rumors for the new Transformers movie, and July 1st will be here before you know it, and we'll be talking Transformers then. That's going to wrap it up for this week, folks. Um, I want to thank Ninferno um, for dropping in from Dual Shockers and discussing all the great work they do. You can follow him on Twitter. It's Ninferno, N in front of Inferno on Twitter. You can also look for uh, Gary. MMA underscore gospel underscore Gary on Twitter as well. And you can check out his site. It's MMAgospel.com. And you can listen to MMA Gospel Radio every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Dual Shockers, of course, has their dual cast and their shock cast. You can look for those on iTunes. And be sure to stop by their site, DualShockers.com. 
That's going to wrap it up, folks, for My Take Radio episode 79 for Thursday, February 17, 2011. Just want to throw a couple of quick plugs out there. Um, of course, DualShockers.com, MMAGospel.com, the crew at GamerFit Nation, super supportive of My Take Radio, the crew from Beantown Gamer, MichaelJaiWhite.com, Michael Jai White's website, uh, SuperheroStuff.com, who are great supporters of the show, uh, VGNRadio.com as well. Uh, the ladies from girlgamer.com and gamingangels.com who support the show. Uh, Darksiders, got to throw some props to those guys. Darksiders, too. We'll be talking about that soon. Uh, Jeff D. Moline, Max Geiger, and Dr. Armand Dorian from The Deadliest Warrior. We will be talking Deadliest Warrior next month, hopefully, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jeff D. Moline will be returning, and we will be talking about the newest season of The Deadliest Warrior. Of course, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, that's Don Anderson's show. That's Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. BornStubberRadio.com, that's Blaine's show. Um, Blaine did a kick-ass job assisting with the redesign of MyTakeRadio.com. Do yourselves a favor, check out his show. Totally funny, totally kick-ass, BornStubbornRadio.com. The crew at 411 Mania, of course, for all their great work. And OCRemix.org for their kick-ass video game tunes. MMA Junkie, of course, and FilmDrunk.com. If I left anybody out or if you want further information about links for any of the other guests that we've had on, head over to MyTakeRadio.com and click the Links tab, and you can see guest links there as well as links for supporters of the show. If you have any questions or concerns or would like to be a guest, email me at mtrhost at gmail.com or mtrhost at MyTakeRadio.com. If you're on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25, is my personal Twitter account. You can also follow the show account, Twitter.com slash MyTakeRadio. If you're on Facebook and you haven't become a fan, what are you waiting for? Facebook.com slash MyTakeRadio is the place to be for that. For those of you still in the last vestiges of humanity known as MySpace, it's MySpace.com slash MyTakeRadio. If you're using Tumblr, you can look for MTR Extras fan page, but if you're on Tumblr exclusively, just look for us there. And if you use Formspring, it's formspring.com slash mytakeradio. Yeah, we are all over the place. Take a moment if you're getting the shows off of iTunes to provide a review and help us move up the rankings. And if you want more MTR on the go, pick up the MTR app. It's $1.99 in the iTunes store. Next week, I will be joined by adult film actress Diana Prince. We're going to be talking movies, video games, and comic books. And I'm also going to pick her brain on the thoughts of the upcoming Wonder Woman series. Also, March 3rd, my guest will be video blogger um, and controversial MMA personality Bloodstained Lane. Uh, Bloodstained Lane is a really cool fucking dude, honestly. He goes on YouTube and he, he gives his uncensored opinion on the sport of mixed martial arts. He gives it to you with a hardcore edge, and he does a fantastic job of doing it. And, you know, it's going to be a great honor talking to him and helping him spread his message uh, to a larger audience. Definitely, if you're on Twitter, check him out. It's at uh, Bloodstain Lane together at on Twitter. So it's twitter.com slash Bloodstain Lane. Um, Diana Prince, you, um, she actually runs her Twitter account under her, pers- or her real name, so I will not be giving that out without her permission till next week. So she will be joining us next week for My Take Radio, episode 80, folks, 80 episodes in the can. That's going to wrap it up. This week, to close it out, 
Um, OCRemix.org put out a new album called Heroes and Villains with uh, remix tracks for some of the well-known heroes and villains of video game of the video game universe, uh, such characters as Simon Belmont, Ryu from Street Fighter, uh, Axel from Streets of Rage. You can download that for free, mind you, at OCRemix.org. Look for the Heroes and Villains soundtrack. And taking us out this week will be the track uh, Satsui no Koto by Zircon and Joshua Morse from OC Remix, Heroes and Villains. I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again to Inferno and Gary from MMA Gospel. Peace. It's been real. Rip, yeah.